Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. I'm going to use your teacups to plant plants in. She's like, all right. <laughs> Are you growing tea? No, just succulents. Oh. But like this little girl at work, she picked off all of the um, leaves on the succulents oh. and killed it. But the leaves themselves are the seeds. So I brought them home. And I googled how to make them uh, sprout roots. And I got like, I would say like 50% of them to root. And now I'm growing them. That's a very nice thing you did. Now, if this were an EC horror comic, you'd have strapped her down to a table and pulled her arms and legs off. She was a brat. And this little girl <laughs> stuck her hand in a like candle. That was oh. like... I was like, we had to take this candle away from her because we were like, she doesn't have the common sense to not stick her hand in fire. <laughs> Ugh. Sometimes I like work and sometimes I hate it. Most of the time I hate it. Aw. That sounds mean. I hope my boss isn't listening. I don't think she is. And ju- here she is now. <laughs> special guest appearance. No, I like the people I work with. Mm. Anyways, just not like that child that wandered in. The devil child. Jerk. So it's episode 201. We're starting off things very differently. <laughs> that's, the, that's, the, that's the set intro from now on, is what Stephanie just said. Um, yeah. we, we actually are recording, so just let, let you know now, Stephanie. I told, oh. I told you we were recording. We, I recorded that. That's going to start the show. So, Welcome, everybody. Uh, yes. To the episode 201 of the Talking Comics podcast. Um, it is Wednesday, September 16th, 2015. I'm your host, Bobby Shortle. I'm here with... Bob Ryer. Good evening. Mr. Steve Say. There was no theme song. I'm so confused. I know. I didn't play the theme song. That's why. I, I know. I, I rolled into know. it. Whoa. I rolled into it. Man, things are changing it's around here. I'm out of here, To surprise man. everybody. Yeah. And the, you, you heard off the bat the wonderful voice of Miss Stephanie Cook. Hola. All right. So we're back. It's been a long time since we talked to Stephanie. Um. <laughs> no. Stuff's been happening. I'm really sad I missed episode 200, too. We I are, was like, Aww. We are also very sad. Um, it was a great time, though. We had a great time. Mm-hmm. Thanks, everybody, who came out. It was awesome. Um, thanks to all the, the listeners who, who showed up. And thank you, of course, to our, our gracious hosts, uh, Jackie, Jackie and Jay, Jay who, yes. who did a great job. Who, they cooked food, and they, they let us bombard their house for, for eight hours. Um, and that was awesome. And uh, thank you, everybody, who listened. And, uh, yeah, so we're, we're, we're moving, moving forward. What about all the swag, too? Are you going to think? Oh, yeah. I think I'm on the last show, but Larry's Comics sent a bunch of comics to us. So many comics. A bunch of cool number ones, a bunch of variant covers and different things. Really, really neat. Um, So everybody who was there that day got uh, copies of those. And um, 
and and that was it was awesome. It's just really really generous of him. Speaking, I didn't of, get them because I wasn't there. You weren't there. Well, actually, Steph, uh, something that I do have for you uh, from our friend and listener Frankie, uh, yeah. I have two Archie cells for you. <gasps> what? Yeah, dude, these things are serious. <laughs> Frankie, you're the best. Yep, yes. They're they're still in their they're still in their wrapping. They're absolutely gorgeous. I'll send you pictures of them when I get home later. Frankie uh, is like one of the best people. Yeah. I've met him a couple times. A very good human. You got you got cut off. I don't know what happened, Seventy. I lost you for like. Oh no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You said Frankie was, is is a great person, and then gone. I said he's a good human. Good he's human. a very good human. Yes. As is yes. Bob. Bob, just before we started recording, your card came in the mail. Oh, happy birthday. Bob has like the best timing. <laughs> Seriously. Last year, um, I think it was Christmas you sent me, or maybe it was, I don't know. No, we were recording our best ups. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that package of horror movies came like as we were recording. I'm like, oh, I have to go, like the doorbell's yes. ringing. It's like package from Bob. Like he like times it. He's like, can you get it here by exactly the time we record? And they're like, what? He's like, just do it. It's like um, Doc Brown and Back yes. to the Future. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna run into myself if I keep mm-hmm. doing that. Though it could be a problem. You pass that almanac this way. Uh, yeah, use a little money. <laughs> Absolutely. So anyway, it is. So everyone knows it is Stephanie's birthday on. Well, actually, it's not. Wait, what day is today? Well, today would be if you're not a Patreon live listener, oh, too, too then it would be Wednesday. Now, when you're listening right. to this, maybe, or it could be Friday, or it could be Sunday. Oh, or, her birthday could already be gone. <laughs> her birthday's soon. Yeah, Let's just leave it at three that. days takes, yeah. from when we're recording. Yeah. Um. So, so happy birthday to you, Stephanie. Thank you. Yes. It's Hugh's birthday today. I know. Yes, as is. we're recording, it is. It is. So, like. Big happy birthday to Hugh. Absolutely. Yeah, and also to Sarah Miles. Yes. A lot of... Ah. And Sammy Cassell. Talking wow. comics oh my birthdays God. today. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Although I think Sammy's birthday is my birthday. Oh, uh, okay. So, But still, happy birthday, because we enough. won't yes. be recording <laughs> after that. Yeah. So, Happy birthday to everyone. Yes. Happy birthday to everyone. Birthdays all around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're going to say happy birthday to everyone right now, so we never <laughs> say happy birthday to anyone ever again. For the rest of the year. Oh, yeah. That sounds awesome. <laughs> happy birthday to yeah. everyone. I'm so down for I'm that. sorry if I forgot it, but... I didn't forget it now because I wished you happy birthday already. Only people yes. that have a birthday from now until the end of the year. Everybody else before that, it's go. too bad. Well, it can't. It has, to, uh-huh. it has to end the end of the year because both of our birthdays are in January. So That's true. The people need to say happy birthday to us when our birthdays come around. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. Oma, uh, I, she called me. Normally, like my relatives, they always send me a card. Um, that's like, you know, the default for like that generation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but Oma's decided that like she's holding my card ransom. Because she wants me to come visit her. Aww. So she left me a message. Uh, I talked to her, but like initially I got a message like two days ago that was like, Stephanie, yeah, it's your Oma. Yeah, you remember me? Huh? You want your birthday present? Hmm? Do you? She's like, well, you better call me. I miss you. Bye. <laughs> I was like, oh. So I called her. She's like, oh. And then she told me what she was giving me for... Um, my birthday. And I was like, thank you so much. She's like, don't thank me yet. You better come visit me to get it. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. She's like, then you thank me at my apartment. I'm like, okay. Okay. I'll, I'll do that. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah. It's been a while since we've gotten an Oma story. 
it's true. I don't call her nearly as much as I should, um, just because, like, I know it's going to be at least a half-hour conversation. <laughs> um, the last time I spoke to her, I was not sober in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> I was so drunk, and I made the mistake of, instead of hitting decline, I accepted the call. And, wow. That was fun. Bad That's news? Fun. She's she's a delight. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm sad I didn't bring her to Fan Expo. I'll have to get her to a convention sometime soon. <laughs> should take Maybe table, I'll make her, like, I'll do a wheelchair, and I'll turn the wheelchair into, like, a Mad Max-esque. Yeah, like, she can be Furiosa. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> Furiosa. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right. I don't know if she's going to want half her head shaved, but, you know. I saw um, an absolutely amazing cosplay the other day of someone who'd actually, a girl had lost part of her arm and worked with, like, a, a metal worker dude guy and built an actual, like, functional arm. Wow. And went all out. Makeup, uh, like, tattered rags the whole bit. And she was running around one of the foreign uh, comic book shows. And somebody did, like, an expose on her whole story. It was incredibly cool. That's so cool. Yeah, it was awesome. That is really cool. I love seeing stuff like that. that. I'm a huge, huge fan of cosplay. Never done it myself, but admire the people that do. I'm thinking about doing something cool for... I'm putting one more show on my uh, calendar for this year. Maybe two, possibly two, if I can get the time off. But for sure, I'm going to do Malta again. And... I'm, like, really tempted to do something there because, I mean, you know, like, I won't run into as many people I know, so it sucks. (laughs) (laughs) Like That'll be the one where everyone shows up that you didn't expect. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I mean, but, like, I know the showrunners, so, I mean, I feel like their judgment means more. So, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. You're going to tweet, like, a million pictures of that, so it doesn't even matter that no one's going to be there. True. That's true. That's actually very true. You you dressed up like Cal Drogo and took pictures of it. Okay, so I don't think that doing it at a place is any is any. I offered my friend. My friend Megan um, loves cosplay, and I told her, "This is on you, Megan. If you're listening, Um, I told her I would come to Fan Expo as Cal Drogo if she went as Khaleesi, (laughs) and she was like, "Yes," and then like didn't follow through with it. I told her I would do it. Um, So, Megan, this is on you. Mm -hmm. Nice. (laughs) This is on you. All right, so tonight on the show, uh, we got a couple things going on. Of course, we got our our, our lightning (laughs) round. We've got got our our individual books of the week, and we're actually going to be talking about Star Wars Shattered Empire by Greg Rucka and uh, Marco Cicchetto for our our, our shared book of the week. And uh, Star Wars expert... Mara Wood will be joining us for that discussion. I would uh, say fanatic. Yeah, also oh. fanatic and expert, I think both. Fanatical because, expert? Because yeah. they're separate. They are, they're but separate. I think she's both. Yeah. I think she, she, we'll she's the, she is at the intersection of that Venn diagram of, and, uh, of fanaticism and expertise. Yeah, and like for anyone who doesn't know, um, I say this with Belovitude. I love Mara. Um, that's, a, that's a made up word. It's <laughs> a good I one, though. I like it, though. Belovitude. Um, <laughs> she learned to play the cello so that she could play the theme from Star Wars. That's, that's um, When we were doing the Misfits Star Wars podcast, uh, she sent me a text 
an audio text with her playing. (laughs) (laughs) She is like quite possibly the most the nerdiest person I know. Absolutely. I, I thought it was a text one day. I was like, I, I mean this as the highest praise. You are the nerdiest person I've ever met in my entire life. Did you? I know. Uh, she, did you, like, oh, sorry. Yeah. She's like nerd queen extraordinaire. Yeah. Did you hear uh, her and Maria's new show? Uh, I listened to like the first like 20 minutes of it. Um, talking show. the art. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. The art is, the art, the art is great. I'm sure we'll give Mara the chance to promote it when she comes on in a, in a, in a little bit. Um, but yeah, and then uh, we uh, we have an article we're going to talk about, written by Ron Mars for um, Comic Book Resources, where he talks about uh, reviewing comics one on one, like tips for reviewers. And uh, we're gonna we're gonna break down that article and talk about what we agree with it, what we don't agree with it. Um, yeah, and that'll be that'll be the show uh, for, for for this week. Um, I think we have to have Mara play the cello. Well, I don't on the show on the show <laughs> on the show while she's reviewing Message her now. Yes, <laughs> get her get her warmed up. I'll, I'll, I'll pick. I'll call her. Then when we pick it up, we'll just hear the. Exactly. All right. So, um, <laughs> lightning round time. Let's see. If, let's see if we remember how to do this, guys. It's been it's been a long time since we've done a regular a regular ass show. Um, and so we'll, we're gonna have Bob start out though because Bob is the champion. So <laughs> uh, Bob okay, needs to b- begin things. All right. Bob, you've got three minutes, and go. Okay, Spider-Man Renew Your Vows ended much better than it began, so my thanks to Justin for keeping me going, because I would have quit long ago, but pretty good. Uh, Gotham Academy 10, Olive Maps and the Detective Club try to solve a backstage mystery that might involve Olive's mom. We're getting closer to that mystery being solved. Starfire number four marches right along the right path for this character, at least for me, with each issue topping the previous one, and we have Terra back in continuity, which is pretty darn cool. DC Bombshells number two brings us more backstory on Supergirl and Stargirl and introduces Zatanna. Batgirl 43 uh, again features full art by Babs Tar, which the smaller moments her work just really, really shines in that one. Bitch Planet number five hit the stands, and with the trade coming very, very soon, I don't want to spoil anything, so I'll simply say that Kelly Sue DeConnick and Val Delandro end this first arc in a bravura way. First it, time I've ever it, used it, it that word. Bravura. All right. Speaking of Ms. DeConnick, her Captain Marvel and the Carol Corps number three continues to be one of the standouts for me among these tie-in books. But A-Force number four by Marguerite Bennett G. Willow Wilson might be my favorite, unless it's Marguerite's Years of Future Past, but it's real close. Two last day's titles really hit the spot for me. Uh, Silk number seven, uh, which brought this arc to a conclusion in a really satisfying way, although the solicitations for the returning series... Had me a little bit worried. We'll see what if no one's seen those yet. I'm not spoiling that either. On that subject, though, I'm really concerned that there hasn't been an official announcement for the return of the Silver Surfer because this last day's stories in issue 14 really sets up some amazing things for next issue and moving forward into another series. So Marvel, please sign up Dan Slott and the almighty All Reds now. Absolutely right now. That's it. <laughs> you have a minute. I did like 11 books in you two minutes. Have, you still have a minute. Okay, well, I also read... To put you at ease, one of our <laughs> listeners actually tweeted us, uh, I think it was last week or so, that Dan Slott announced at a show that he that Silver Surfer is continuing. Okay, I, I want official. I want official. Uh, <laughs> there was the Harley Quinn road trip special where she, she goes... <laughs> She goes to get her uncle's ashes with uh, Catwoman and Poison Ivy, which was a lot of fun. Uh, Mass number two is getting there. Or That's one, a crazy cover. Masks two. Masks two number six. six. Two more to go on this. Cullen Bunn really killing with these pulp characters. Uh, Spider-Woman number 10. 
Okay. Also ending, and with some more last days sort of stuff, uh, we're getting right to that. Spider Island 3, I think there's one more chapter of May Parker's Spider Girl. So now I'm up to about 16. Harley Quinn 19 was pretty good. And you still have 20 seconds. Ah, yeah. Bob, I started reading DC, DC Bombshells yesterday. And? What do you think? I love it. Yeah. I read the first issue. I only read the first issue because I have been backlogged trying to get through some of the novels that I keep buying. There you not go. Reading. That's a good thing. Um... So, yeah, I, I read that and was just like, I tweeted like Marguerite Bennett and I was just like, God bless you. <laughs> like, yeah. This is perfect. Oh, uh, I love how Marguerite Savage uh, draws uh, Kate Kane. So good. What's really special so is, I know, Bobby, you were reading before any of us mm -hmm. because you're doing it digitally. This was something that when... You know, DC had that bad stretch of covers where the WTF month and, and mm. lots of stupid stuff going on. And as much as I love that 40s pinup art style, in the wake of all the other things, it, it looked kind of cheesy. Mm. They have so totally turned that around into something beautiful and wonderful. And the way the series is, is, is taking place during this World War II era, the alternate history, it's one of my favorite sort of... It's not, I guess it's an imaginary story at this point, but really, really done well. Have you kept up after that? I have not kept up. It's, it's kind of like Inglorious Bastards in a way. Like, I know it's all fictional, but, you know, there's like the DC continuity and then there's like DC's continuity with bombshells. Yes. And it's just like an alternate take on that world. Absolutely. Well, there's a big introduction of a character in issue two that I was going to spoil, but didn't. <laughs> um. I, when you I say sorry, Stephanie, when you say issue two, you mean the prints issue two, right? Or do you mean digital issue two? Me? I think he means yeah, I'm talking about Bob. Oh, uh, regular issue. Two. You're talking about print? Yeah, print yeah, okay, issue yeah, okay, two, yeah. yeah, okay. I just wanted to make sure. All um, right, sorry, Stephanie, go ahead. I did like fan expo for a few hours last weekend. I, I went to like a couple parties, and then I just did like three hours of the show itself, which was actually weirdly relaxing and kind of nice. <laughs> um, but I ran into Val Delandro. Ah. And Lovely film. He is like he lives in he lives in uh, the GTA, the Greater Toronto Area. He is like one of the nicest humans in the entire world. Um, it I feel like you know Kelly Sue DeConnick is obviously like like an A lister. She is probably the A lister for comics. Her and Matt Fraction are just like. I, I think I've referred to them possibly on here as the Brangelina of comics. <laughs> um, but, like, you know, I feel like his art and his um, contributions kind of get, like, overlooked because of Kelly Sue. Everyone's just focused on Kelly Sue, Kelly Sue, Kelly Sue, Kelly Sue. And even, like, I was, like, I stopped and I was, like, Val, like, your art is, like, so good. Like, dude, he's, like, oh, it's Kelly Sue. I'm, like, no, Kelly Sue yeah. didn't draw that. <laughs> I'm, like, you drew that. He's, like... Uh, and he's like showing pages and he was like you know like sometimes I'll uh, I'll sell like all my other art but like he's like my bitch planet pages he's like these are my babies he's like I gave like these came from my mind he's like I'm not ready to part with them yet <laughs> I'm like Val people want all of them he's like I can't he's like I can't bring myself to get rid of the pages and um, he was just so humbled by all of it like he was just like oh no my work no Kelly Sue what <laughs> no oh, this piece of junk? No, Kelly Sue. And I'm like, right. no, take some responsibility for what you put into this. Like, you're so good. <laughs> um, Amen. Yeah, so if anyone, find him on Twitter and be like, dude, just in case um, you don't know this, 
you are amazing and you are part of what makes Bitch Planet amazing. So everyone should let him know that if you enjoy his art. Just saying. All right. Well, let's, let's keep this Stephanie talking train going and go into your lightning round. All right. Okay. Here. Let me, let me pull up my files. You ready? I, I think I am. You have three minutes and go. So I mentioned briefly that I started reading Bombshells. So I just quickly wanted to add once again. Uh, I read the first issue, the digital one, and I loved it. If you aren't reading this series, you really need to jump on board. Marguerite Savage is brilliant. And Marguerite Bennett is equally brilliant. They work as a great team together. And uh, it's definitely something that you need to be checking out. I read Zodiac Star Force number one, which was like perfection. I loved it so much. It reminded me of Sailor Moon, obviously, Polina uh, Ganesho and, um, oh my God, I'm so sorry, Kevin Panetta, yeah, um, are like huge Magical Girl fans and you can definitely see that they draw influence from that and things like Steven Universe and all kinds of other things and I was just like, this comic is so much fun. Thank you, Dark Horse, for putting it out. It's so different from things that Dark Horse normally publish and I think it's a great step uh, in the right direction. Um, I feel like I should have read everyone else's lightning rounds in case somebody is talking about this. Plutona number one. Anyone? No, it's all right. <laughs> okay, cool. Plutona number one, uh, Jeff Lemire and Emmy Lennox. I loved this. I didn't really know what this was about at all, um, stepping into it and was just floored by how much I enjoyed it. They're a really great team. Emmy and Jeff have been friends for a long time now. And it was only a matter of time before they decided to collaborate. And um, this is perfect. Uh, it's I, I don't want to go into like the plot and all that stuff because I don't have enough time. Uh, but the art's great. The story's great. It's everything that you can expect from the two of them. Um, Jeff Lemire obviously may be a little more familiar to you. But Emmy Lennox is an excellent uh, storyteller as well. So if you're not reading Plutona, definitely check that out. Um, Bobby, I read Pawn Shop. Oh, fine. okay. What'd you think? Yeah, they re-released it recently um, and it was on my net galley. So I decided to check it out and I loved it. I thought that it had so much heart. I loved the interconnected stories mm -hmm. and how bit by bit um, more and more was kind of revealed to you through the perspective of different characters. Um, I We've known Joey a long time now, um, pretty much as long as we've been doing this, maybe a bit longer. Uh, and, like, I, I mean, no offense to you, Joey, but I didn't know you had this in you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I knew you were a great writer from IGN, but, dude, like, you blew me away with this. It had a lot of heart, and uh, Sean Van Gorman did a killer job on the art. Uh, definitely very stylized, something very Jeff Lemire. Mm. Um, so if you guys haven't checked that out yet, um, I put my stamp of approval on that. Awesome. All right. That's your time, Steph. Perfect. <laughs> uh, great. Yeah, I'm really happy you read it. Yeah, they just, uh, just people know if people have heard us talk about it and they wanted a physical copy of it, they re-released it. Uh, a, a publisher picked it up and is publishing it, so you can order it from previews now and stuff like that. So. I still need a copy. So check that out. I read yours. Yeah. It's yeah, fantastic. Yeah, it's a, it's a great, great book. Um, Steve? 
Yeah. You ready? Yeah. You got three minutes and go. All right. So uh, in DC land, I've been absolutely loving. I'm just talking about it both at the same time. Martian Manhunter and Dr. Fate. Uh, Dr. Fate is from Paul Levitz and Sonny Liu. And um, Martian Manhunter is from Rob Williams and Eddie Barrows on pencils. Martian Manhunter, oddly enough, if you're following it, um, they're kind of... I don't know if this is separate from that, but it's really filling kind of that uh, Animal Man Swamp Thing uh, gap mm. that we have right now. Uh, there are things happening and things being called upon within that part of the DC universe that remind me very much of those books. And uh, the mystery and the journey of uh, John has been awesome in that. Really been enjoying the hell out of uh, Dr. Fate as well as our hero is kind of coming to grips with uh, what he's now responsible for. I love reading stories about heroes that don't necessarily want the responsibility and are forced to kind of accept their fate. Mm -hmm. Ha-ha. <laughs> the legacy of Luther Strode from Justin Moore. Uh, I'm sorry, Justin Jordan and Trad Moore and Felipe Sobrero. Holy crap. Uh, windows. There are lots and lots and lots of windows and lots of action. The next issue of this isn't until January. What? <laughs> so if you want to go and find the first three issues of this final arc, you should do that because it's positively one of the best things that I've ever read in comics ever. Uh, Magneto, The Last Days of Number 21, Colin Bunn, and um, Gabriel Rodriguez Ulta, uh, Walta is the last issue of Magneto, and it's beautiful. It is uh, pretty much the end, as it states in the title, and it's very much a father and savior and protector of the world facing oblivion and walking into it with his head held high, regardless of all of his crimes against humanity, trying to do, you know, one last thing to, to save his soul, so to speak, um, and be somebody that his daughter can be proud of. And it was really beautiful and very final. So uh, it's very interesting. Siege is awesome. Uh, Karen Gillan and uh, Felipe Andre. The art is absolutely positively spectacular. Some of the best I've seen all year. Uh, Abigail Brand and a bunch of people basically trying to hold down the shield that is... Uh, Part of Battle World. Headlopper is a quarterly comic from Image Comics. How much time do I got? You have 40 seconds. All right. Uh, I can't find his name. McLean and Spicer. This book was insane. It's about a kind of like a Viking Norse dude who is traveling around with a talking witch head. And this witch head kind of holds this magic that a dark lord needs to come back into the world and take it over. And they're kind of moving the pieces into place for him to go on this journey to defeat this thing that's going to afford that, like, you know... And final boss type of baddie to uh, get the head from Headlopper, and all hell will break loose. And Sunstone Volume 2 was amazing. Not as good as the first one, but still absolutely incredible. There Pretty go. good. Pretty yeah. good. You went like a second over. Nice. All right. Yeah. Nice. Different focus in Volume 2? My Yeah, my thing with, with Sunstone, I really enjoyed it. This book is positively beautiful. The artwork is fantastic. The The writing the perspective of it is wonderful it's just it was a lot of backstory like almost the mm -hmm. entire thing was if i didn't read this in a trade i would have felt very frustrated in that we pretty much stayed in one place for the entire trade where we went to a club and you know walked into a bathroom and got a story and the whole the whole book is that yeah. story it's ali's past yeah yeah um sets up volume three Yes, and I have Volume 3, and I can't wait to get to it. It's an absolutely spectacular series. It's just, it was kind of a, I feel like it kind of pumped the brakes 
a little bit on the the ex, 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 the, um, the relationship. Yeah, yeah like like forward. on the relationship. I understand like this stuff is important and it's important for for building your characters and for giving them background and stuff like that. Uh, I liked some of the newer characters that we were introduced to. Uh, they they're a lot of fun, and I just I continue to love the the exploration of like the BD, BDSM groups and 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 what they do and just to see it written about with such respect and uh, research mm-hmm. is is a really really wonderful thing to see. Um, yeah, I'm very much looking forward to reading Volume Three when I get to it. All right, cool. Yeah, cool. All right, set set my clock here for three minutes, and then. Uh, do my little lightning round and go. All right. So uh, injection number five of uh, Warren Ellis and uh, Declan Shelby. Uh, I believe this is, r- I believe it seems like this is wrapping up the, the first arc um, of this book. And we get a, a lot of answers, but we also then get raised a bunch of more questions. Um, I absolutely have loved this series from, from the first issue. I think that it balances perfectly that line that I sometimes, for me, it's tough with Warren Ellis, that, uh, that line of understanding that he sometimes <laughs> breaks over to. Uh, but his writing, uh, Shelby's art, is just uh, unbelievable, gorgeous stuff. Uh, great science fiction slash horror type story. Really, really love it. Um, can't wait to see where it, it goes on from here. Um, Batman number 44. It's a special uh, one-off issue here. Uh, Scott Snyder, Brian Azzarello, and Jock with Jock on art. And um, here we're telling a story that happens right after the zero year. It's sort of like a sort of like a year two Batman story mm-hmm. where um, he's trying to solve. It's a one-off kind of crime story. He's trying to solve the, the murder of a, of a, of a kid he finds um, in this field. And he's kind of going through all the different permeations of what it could be, who it could be, how it could have happened. He, he goes through sort of, um, you know, the villains that exist. And, and there is a link to the current um, storyline that's going on right now. You know, the, uh, the, the Jim Gordon as Batman stuff, uh, kind of a villain link there. But other than that, it's really a story just about Batman in those days. And what it seems to me even more than that really is um, it feels like a Frank Miller story like the way mm. it's the way the voiceover is used the, the tone and tenor of it feels like early frank miller and, and in that case too azrael is obviously co-writing dark knight 3 yeah. with, with 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 uh frank miller and in that same vein here the book takes stances which i which i felt i felt like and again maybe if they took stances that i didn't agree with i would have felt differently about this but um it was it was interesting to see the this mainline top of the heap superhero book take a political stance on something that's going on in the country right now. Sort of refreshing, sort of interesting that, that, that it went there, uh, whether you agree with it or, or not. And it, it gave me a little bit of hope for Dark Knight 3 with Azarello in, in involved in doing it. You know, I, I don't know if it's going to end up going this way all the whole time, but I, I, I felt like this was a really interesting issue, really great art by Jock. Um, you know, the, the panel layouts, the way he w- draws Batman, he was doing it obviously back with Snyder uh, on Detective before Snyder went over uh, to Batman and returns to that same style here. It just works so well for, for Batman. Um, excited to see, you know, Azrael go off to Dark Knight 3 and I, I would love to see, you know, Jock and working regularly on a Batman book. Um, and I really want to get deep into the la- final Daredevil issue, Daredevil number 18, but that requires a lot of spoilers and a lot of talk, so I don't want to do that now on the show. Um, that's something that I want to get into, maybe do a special kind of piece for it. Um, but Mark Wade and Chris Amy's Daredevil run ended, um, just as my time is ending. Uh, Go but, for it. But uh, I, I just want to say a wonderful wrap-up to, to the series. Um, you know, 
much like the rest of the series, it doesn't end on a big event. It doesn't end on something huge. It ends on small character moments. Um, it ends, you know, with kind of Matt jumping out into the night, just like he always does. Um, but along the way, we've got a great standoff with the Kingpin. We've got some really nice emotional moments between Matt and Foggy, which who have been the emotional center of the book since issue one. And, you know, it's sad for it to be over, but it's nice to have this, you know, whatever it is now, 50, 50 some issues, issues yeah. run that is you know basically flawless um for, for me and one of the great runs you know that I've, that I've ever read and and it's really really exciting just to have that it's something that you can go back to and, and check out and you know Samney obviously has been on for a very long time but um there are other artists that you know Mar- marcos martin started out with with, with, with wade on, on this book we have we had fill-ins by javier rodriguez who now obviously does uh, Spider-Woman, and he's, he was a wonderful, wonderful artist in his own right. Uh, just a wonderful series that, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting that it's ending because it was, uh, along with something like Batman, something I just talked about, was kind of there when we started doing this. It, it was, it's one of, like, the first... It's actually, I think, the first non-New 52 book that I read um, outside, you know, when I was like, what else should I read in, in, the, in, the, in these comic books? And then, <laughs> you know, I heard things about, about Daredevil. I knew Mark Wade's name, so I... I picked it up, and, and so it's odd that, it, that it's ending, but it ended really, really well, and, and, and I can't wait to see. In the back of the book, Mark Wade says that h- him and Chris um, and, and the, um, the colorist as well, whose name is escaping my brain, Matthew Wilson? Yes, Matthew Wilson, and I think uh, the letterer as well, Joe uh, Carmanga, are all going on to another Marvel project together. Oh, which has not been announced yet. Isn't Matthew Wilson the same colorist for The Wicked and the Divine? Yes. Nice. Yeah. So uh, we don't, I don't know what it's going to be, but mm. it's unannounced. Um, I was actually talking about it um, the other day uh, with Justin Townsend, and we were t- and I said, I mean, what springs to mind immediately is Fantastic Four, yes. which would be the thing, because we haven't heard any announcement about that yet. No team. And if it's going to be Wade and Sandy, it's going to be a relatively big book. I, I mean, they're not going to... I, I would assume they do something dare, like around that level, you know. Um, he also says something like, "There's no Iron Fist book announced either," which also makes perfect sense. That seems like the sure. kind of character they could take on as well. New, no Luke Cage book either right now. No Jessica Jones book right now. Um, but uh, it feels to me like a Fantastic Four thing coming. He had a. I talked Ooh. about his yeah. run some while back. He had a great take on the family, mm-hmm. and that's what the book should be about. And based on I. Every time you had me read a Daredevil, mm-hmm. I loved it. Yeah. So, sure. Yeah. I mean, I would sure. kill to see Sammy drawing those characters every every month. That would be amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Steve, I know you read it as well. What did you think? I thought it was great. Mm. I thought it was great. I uh, I was I was getting very wistful as I as I'm sure you were reading it. And uh, it was one of the it was one of the first things like you're saying how it was like the first Marvel comic that you picked up. I think it was one of the first times that i had taken you at your word on a comic book series <laughs> mm-hmm. when we started doing the show and you started talking about it, it was issue number seven mm-hmm. that got me the one with the kids in yep. the in the school bus yeah. and getting uh, out in the snow and just that whole scenario really kind of captured my imagination a little bit and i went i went to go read it and i was like well this is going on the pull <laughs> list and i've picked up every uh single issue since and uh it's just awesome it's it it really is awesome. The, the all like you said, all the character moments. Really sad to see it go, mm. but I like the way certain things were were wrapped up. And you know, you talk about sometimes about putting the toys back in the box, and I like not putting all of them back, like just a few, like the the, the necessary ones. Mm-hmm. 
um, are back. And I believe, isn't Charles Soule? Charles Soule. Charles Soule and Ron Garney are, are taking over. It's just a great team. That's, it's a yeah, wonderful that's, team. So That's super exciting. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's going to be a totally different book, obviously, but uh, it's, mm-hmm. still, I, it's still exciting that that book is coming and the team that's going to be on there, so... It's been, it's, I mean, it's been a crazy ride, right? Like it's, it's been, I feel like it's a book. I never see anyone besides us talk about it. I mean, it's pretty, I mean, it's pretty well-regarded book. No, no, not, not in terms of it being well-regarded. Yeah. I'm saying like online mm. or just when I have conversations with people about comics, nobody really ever brings up Daredevil. And it makes me question like, where is the audience for this book? Like on Wednesdays when it comes out, like I don't see anybody besides the people that contributed to it promoting it hmm. uh, and taken for granted yeah when so you get we've, yeah when yeah. you get 50 something issues in it's tough because um especially if, like you said bob continue excellence is sometimes something that gets kind of like okay we know it's good so obviously mm-hmm. pick it up so people don't don't really talk about it and obviously and also if you, th- that's the reason why people reboot and, and, and re-go series all the time is because after certain amount of issues people really stop sort of paying attention because mm-hmm. once you get into the higher numbers people are just kind of like oh, oh I, that's not something i can yeah. really I mean, it's one of the best superhero anythings mm-hmm. that I've ever read, and, and that's speaking on the entire run. I mean, the ups and downs that the characters had, the things that have been thrown at him, the way he gets... The, the writing of it is superb. The artwork is some of the best I've ever seen on any book at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, you talk about collaborations when I think of, like, Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona Staples on Saga. Chris Samney and Mark Wade are one of those teams that are just synonymous with one another in my head. Yeah. So... um yeah, I just it was my introduction really to to Mark Wade and to the Daredevil character in like its proper form mm-hmm. and it could not have been it's funny I actually have to tomorrow is my stepbrother's birthday and I want to get him something and the first thing that came to my mind was volume 1 of Daredevil mm-hmm. because it just it's that good. Yeah. You know. And uh I'm not sure if he's a fan but if he's not he will be. <laughs> How many books have the same creative team now as they did when you guys started? Oh, very few. I mean, Batman. Batman yeah, does. Yeah. Um, I mean, Saga was relatively close to yeah. when we started. Uh, obviously, indie books are different because they, they usually have the same creative team until they're over. So that that kind of cycles in out. But Saga's been going for just about the whole time we've been we've been doing it. I think it was just a couple months into when we started it. Because I remember it was one of the first like times I was like, oh, we get we have review copies. I can read this like the yeah. like a couple of days before we actually get a, it hits the shelves, which is pretty cool. Uh, Invincible, I guess. Invincible, yeah. And again, I, I feel like it's, in indie books, it's it's a little bit of a it's a little bit of a cheat, cheat. because they, they that's they had the Kirkman team. Kirkman doesn't know how to share, <laughs> <laughs> and he never and he never stops. So it doesn't matter. The, those books will be will be dead, and those books will still be going. Um, he just has a ton of scripts like in a in a vault somewhere, <laughs> and they just just come out. Uh, can I just say that I'm really sad about. Uh, Genevieve Valentine not being on Catwoman anymore. I didn't even know she left. No, what happened? Um, as of this fall, like the team's being replaced with Anaki Miranda, who I'm actually pretty okay with. Right, right. Um, from the Hidden Kingdom and Coffin Hill, but uh, the writer is being changed over to Frank Thierry. Oh, really? And I like Frank Thierry, but like Genevieve Valentine single handedly saved mm. Selena Kyle in the DC New Fifty Two. So I don't know if she left or if DC took her off the book. Um, it didn't seem to be like scandalous. It just kind of was like a minor footnote in yeah. uh, notes about cancellations and such. Mm. I wonder if it's a thing where, I mean, she was obviously a novelist before she started doing it. Maybe she was like, mm-hmm. I'm going to do this for a year or whatever. And then I have to go back to doing other yeah, stuff. It, that's entirely possible. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I, I'm i just like super disappointed. And I think um, that 
with that is um, the end of uh, Her in the Mob. Okay, gotcha. Which I I don't know. Like I'm a couple issues behind right now, but again, like I'm sorry to all the other creators that you know worked on her uh, that character in the DC New Fifty Two, but they didn't do justice to Selena Kyle at all. And uh, Genevieve Valentine, you know, really, really redeemed um, the series for me and for a lot of other totally uh, readers. Agree. So I just yep. kind of wanted to acknowledge that and say that yeah. um, I'll personally really miss her on this book. Well, I mean, hopefully now that they've she's reestablished sort of the status quo for the character, mm-hmm. we, we won't be regressing. You know, hopefully at least we'll be building on mm-hmm. what's already come. And I feel like Frank Thierry at least is... Like, he doesn't have a reputation kind of like Scott uh, Lobdell or, Mm -hmm. um, you know, some of the other people that have been tackling the character. Uh, But still, you know, like, she's, I don't think she's necessarily a tricky character to write, but she's beloved. Yeah. So, in that, it makes her tricky. Yeah, and it's very easy to, to... To fall back on the the sexuality aspect of the character, mm-hmm. and other that's a, that's a very important part of her character. It's an essential part of her character, but it's not. It shouldn't be the 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 the, the one thing. Right, her they, only characteristic. Their only characteristic yes. is that. Yeah, it's part of her. It's exactly, not yeah. all of her. Exactly. So I think that's. I think that is a. It's not a tricky thing, but it's a mistake that a lot of writers make. Totally dealing so, with the character. Yeah. Sorry. We. I know you, Bobby. You were mentioning creators that have been, you know, yeah. um, on the books. I mean, I'm, I, I'm going to drop one in there, but like Animal Man, um, that was like Jeff Lemire. The whole time, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. been done yeah. now for a little bit, but yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, but honestly, Bob, uh, as far as superhero books, I mean, I, Dan Slott, I guess, is, is still spraying Spider-Man. Spider-Man, 100%. That's, that's Mostly the same artist? Yeah, it bounces, you know, yeah. he has like that, ro- the book came out so much. That's that, right, you know, three times a month. Right yeah, now. and I mean, so Peter David is the X-Factor guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and that really kind of just ended, if, if, you, don't, if, you, don't, if you count the, the relaunch of it. But I think that... Uh, yeah, I mean, I, the slot on Spider-Man is the other one I can think of. Other than that, I can't really. No, DC's changed over a bunch of times. Of I can't think of any. Justice League have all changed hands. Uh, oh no, Jeff Johns. Jeff Johns is still don't writing don't you, yeah, Justice League. Okay. So uh, obviously Jim Lee isn't the artist anymore, but um, there's still one mm. c- creative constant on on that book. Green Lantern changed. Green Lantern changed. Yeah, yeah. the almost almost every book has changed since then. Um, whether by be by via relaunch or whatever i mean obviously i mean it's ending now but really i mean it wasn't exactly when we started but uh captain marvel wasn't that long after we began doing it later yeah yeah, six months into when we were doing it but as far as when we started no i think it's daredevil and batman are only two that i can think of um that were on the same creative teams by the way on the cancellation front the Mm -hmm. the other dc Mm -hmm. books that are canceled gotham by midnight right yeah omega man omega man yeah lobo Mm -hmm. doomed and justice league united yeah, and which I was sad about. I feel like it would have done better if they just called it Justice League Canada. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently, in December, Batman sixty six and Sensation Comics mm. coming to an end. Yeah, but those. Oh, uh, really? Sensation Comics. Uh, Trina Robbins apparently doing the last issue. Oh, really? Well, uh, that's heartbreaking. I was like, I mean, there's part of me that was like, I hope this goes on forever. I hope I can write an issue of this someday. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you still can. It just won't be in, in. It'll be print. fan fiction. Yeah. yeah. 
Those uh, those digital series, I mean, uh, except for I guess Injustice, really is the only one that's gone for a very long time. They tend to cycle them as as yeah. as they go Batman through. Batman Beyond, came yeah, and Batman went, Beyond came in when, yeah, yeah, Legends of the Dark Knight came in when yep. as well. So, um, I I wonder if that's just they just have like a set plan for for stuff like that. Um, but yeah, that's uh, it's, I mean, it doesn't surprise me. The DC books you mentioned that they haven't been selling well. Gotham by Midnight never sold well. You know, didn't even start out well. It was yeah. a, it's a great book, but yeah. it just never it never caught on. It's a, I think it's a little bit of a tough sell. I read people. two issues of Omega Men. Had no idea. Yeah, let's go. no <laughs> idea what was going on in that book yeah. at all. Yeah. Um, there was an other bit of news. What? Some happy news. What? Uh, I Kill Giants. Oh yeah, the movie had gotten Ooh. some uh, some casting. Yeah. Did you hear about this, Bob? Mm. Yeah. Ah, uh, Zoe Saldana <gasps> is playing the uh, Miss uh, Moulet, the, the school psychologist, school psychiatrist. Mm. Yeah, awesome. And. Um, Madison, what is her name? Um, let me look it up really quick. Ashley Madison. No, God, no. <laughs> um, they found the the little girl for. Uh, I'm sorry, I should have had this up when I when I brought it to uh, Madison Wolf. Is uh, I have is, to say, I don't. She's only no. been in a couple of things, but as far as like looks go, I would you know I I have yet to see her act in anything, but she looks like a a perfect fit for Barbara, and. Um, for those that are are concerned, uh, oh yeah, Joe and Ken have been on the ground floor uh, of this going into production from day one, and they've written the screenplay and all kinds of good stuff. Uh, this this film is looking to be very very true to the book uh, with a, a, a few changes um, from what I understand from Joe. But uh, oh my god, am I excited? Yeah, absolutely. They, in other like staying on topic to that, they also released. I don't know if you talked about this last week, but um, they talked. Or they released the teaser trailer for Jessica Jones. Yeah, no, yeah. we know it came out after we. Re- re- okay, yeah. that's what I thought, but yeah. my timelines. Yeah. <laughs> um, there, there was a girl that came into my work named Jessica Jones, and I was like, "Very soon, you're going to be regretting having that name." <laughs> <laughs> she was like, "What?" And I was like, "Oh, you know, like the TV show." She's like, "Well, at least it looks good." <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I was like yeah. that's true. November 20th is the release date for that. Did we all see something different than I did? All it was was music. It was music. It was a, it was the animated thing. Yeah. Right. Not animated, but you know, like uh, titles. Okay. Yeah, it was yeah. just a yeah. teaser. It yeah. wasn't. Yeah, no silhouette. And yeah, silhouette. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, definitely excited for, for that. And, and, uh, and the coolest thing is they gave us a release date. So November 20th, uh, mm-hmm. it, we all get everything. When's Daredevil coming out on DVD so I can watch it? I don't know, actually. That's a good you question. You can borrow my Netflix account. <laughs> no. No, I tried. I'm it's holding too out. Too convenient. I'm holding Steve. out. It's too convenient to watch it on Netflix. Okay. <laughs> I want to hold it in my hand. I appreciate that. I may take you. Do up you? <laughs> Do you appreciate? Okay. It? Let's yeah. let's let's leave the the squabbles at home. All right, all right guys. Squabbling. All right, Bob. What's your book of the week? Well, speaking of squabbling, though, there'll be no squabbling. I don't think my book of the week is Ms. Marvel number eighteen. G. Willow Wilson, Adrian Alfana, colors by Ian Herring, and letters by Joe Caramanga. Now, I'll, I just want to say this. I've been chided here and there for being overly effusive in my praise of this book here and there. Mostly when I compared it to the Lee Ditko Spider-Man, the early years. Who chided you? I'm not saying. <laughs> forums? A couple, a couple of near-do-wells <laughs> over on the forums, one of which is gone. <laughs> But I just want to say that as a word of fair warning, because those who do or did feel that way, it's going to get fairly gushy here. I feel that way. Right. Uh, because not not to, this is the penultimate issue of this first volume, 
because the last, last days is next time around. And not to bury the lead here, this is one of my favorite books of the year and is definitely going to end up in the short list of nominees as I go forward. Now, I don't want to spoil this because I know there are still people catching up to Secret Wars and Battle Zone, Battle World. Battle World. Fighting Zone? What's the other one? I don't, I don't know what they are <laughs> Fighting anymore. Zone. Fighting Zone. <laughs> Weird World. And there are all these Marvel guys. Gladiators. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, was, it, was it American Gladiators years ago? I would love to see some kind of version of American Gladiators starring Marvel uh, comic Contest characters. of Champions is coming it's next true. year. It's so true. it'll be the same thing. Uh, War Zones, by the way, is what it is. War Zone. Yeah. I was close. You were close. I had right. Zone in there Egg somewhere. McCoy Continue, by the <laughs> Yes. Look, without spoiling anything, uh, there's an incursion about to happen over Manhattan, so things aren't looking so hot over in Jersey City either. Now, Kamala has managed to track her evil ex-crush Cameron to the warehouse where he is holding her brother Amir because he wants to turn him inhuman. She's got some help on this because she's got Captain Marvel, her, her own legacy hero, her own fan fiction topic, and she's squeeing a little bit. And I don't want to give you the wrong idea about this book, saying this. There is still plenty of the fun action, lots of high spirits and lots of good stuff going on that way. But it's, it's so filled with wonderfully small moments that you see Kamala's heroism, particularly in those moments where she's uncertain that she can do this thing she needs to do. And that's what this book has been about since day one. Uh, so beyond that, you add into this amazingly touching scene here as you have this farewell between Carol and Kamala that could be farewell. For all they know, this is the last time they'll see each other, and there's a lovely exchange. I'll say it just that way. And then a wonderful killer final page that really could change the set of circumstances in this book moving forward. It's a wonderful bit of family, which is the other thrust this series has had since day one. I don't know what's going to happen in the new Marvel Universe, how this all plays itself out. These 18 issues are going to be talked about for a very, very long time. Well, Bob, tell- let me tell you about the pizza, okay? Let's <laughs> <Sorry. laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. go ahead, Steve. Go ahead, Steve. <laughs> Toppings. Uh, <laughs> Ian Toppings. <laughs> that final page that you're talking about, third comic book to ever make me cry. Really? Yep. Nice job. Yep. I, I did, It wasn't bawling, mm. but I, I, I have something about uh, – I don't want to spoil it. There's a I'm noticing a pattern with me with comics that the three the three comics that have brought tears to my eyes all have something in common. I won't say what that thing okay. is because I, I think. think I know. But um, like I got to that moment in the book, and I just I put my hand over my, over my mouth and I was just like, mm-hmm. and I mean the whole the whole issue is beautiful. The artwork uh, by Adrian Alfona and the colors. Oh my yeah. god, the colors throughout this series. Uh, Ian Herring is the color artist. Just absolutely wonderful. But oh man, that last page was just what I needed uh, for that moment. For any, for all the ways that that moment could have gone, that was perfect. Yes. And I'll shut up before I ruin it. All right. Awesome. Sounds like the series. I mean, this is penultimate, though, right? We have one more after this? One more. Okay. To be concluded. To be concluded and then recontinued when yes. it comes back. All right. <laughs> yeah. And volume two. Volume two. You think they'll be able to keep it at two ninety nine? No. I don't think no. so, no. There's going to be no books there at two ninety nine. Once everything comes back, there'll be no books there at two ninety nine. In e- uh, either company. You're not, they're all going to go away. Ask me how many Marvel books I'm picking up this Wednesday. How many Marvel books are you picking up this Wednesday, Steve? Zero. 
All right. None of them. Okay. Too expensive. Good. Okay. All right, Steve, tell me about I Was the Cat. Well, I Was the Cat is a uh, graphic novel from Oni Press, and it is created by Paul Tobin, written by, and illustrated and colored by Benjamin Dewey. Uh, letters by Jared Jones, edited by Jill Beaton, with Robin Herrera. And, oh, I might as well. Jason Story uh, is designed by? I don't know if I understand that. Well, the book. The book. The, like, the book itself ah, is designed. the layout and a ha-ha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, Which so is gorgeous. Yes, mm-hmm. it is. So. It is gorgeous. What is the... It rem, this is reminding me of something. When you open up the cover of the book, it's like the Golden Books or something used to have this pattern in it. Something like that. Gorgeous yeah. end paper. It, remi- it <laughs> reminds me, when you opened it, I got a very, like, strong whiff of, like being in like elementary school and opening yes. opening yeah. like a hardcover book. It's like a hundred peacocks yeah. <laughs> all showing you their asses. But anyway, so here's the deal. Um Allison is uh staying in England with her friend Reggie and she has gotten an offer. She's a she's a blogger. She has like a very popular breaking news blog. Uh and she's been contacted. She takes these off off the books jobs uh, writing memoirs for people. They give her a call, they pay her travel expenses, and she goes and she stays with them and she listens. And she, you know, ghostwrites their memoirs and stuff like that, and, and the book comes out. So she's gotten a call from somebody who says, I want you to come to England and I want you to sit down and listen to what I have to say, but I have to warn you, some people are rather startled by my appearance when they see me. So she's getting all of these images in her head, and her her friend Reggie's not helping. She's like, this guy's going to look like the elephant man. He's going to be like some, you know, strung out heroin addict guy or something like mm-hmm. that. That is not what this person is at all. Uh, the person contacting her, by the way, uh, his name is Burma. So she goes, and it's this giant manor in the middle of England, uh, butlers, maids, too many rooms for one person deal, the whole bit. And he, uh, the butler ushers her into a room and he says, you know, hang out. And she walks into the room and there's cats. There's cats everywhere. Mm-hmm. They're by her feet. They're meowing. They're scratching. They're playing with each other, doing all their cute stuff. And this one cat who's sitting on like this like posh, plushy pillow is like, hello. Just like, <laughs> what? He's like, I am, I am Burma. You know, like I am, I am the cat. And she, she, Pretty much is uh, dumbfounded. He's like, all right, I can see that you're going to need like a day or two to think about this. Maybe you'll want to come back. She goes back the next, uh, pretty much the next day. And the story unfolds. I've only read about four chapters worth of the book so far. But are you smelling the book? Yeah, it yeah. smells really good. Doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I love a, that smell. There's a little drawing at a signature from Paul Tobin. Oh, cool. If you uh, look on the inside of the cover. Oh, cool. Uh, I picked it up at special edition. Mm. So anyway... Um, she decides that she's going to take the job. And basically what this book turns out to be is, um, you think about cats and their history and our culture and all these things. Cats, uh, have nine lives or so they say. Mm -hmm. Turns out that the idea of cats having nine lives for this particular cat is true. I do not know yet how it came to be able to speak, but there's something going on. So, the cat has been involved throughout history in many, many major events. He's like the Forrest Gump of cats. <laughs> and he wants to tell his memoirs. And he's lived an absurdly long life, like all the way back to the Egyptian times and uh, like world wars and things like that, oh. where he was on the battlefield and in the trenches. And, 
you know, you don't look at the cat. The cat's carrying secret documents and the cat's turning the war and you don't even know it and all these things. And he drops this line to the interviewer or to the to the writer. And he says uh, at the end of one of the chapter breaks, this is not a spoiler. He turns to her and he says, I want to tell you about one of the times that I tried to take over the world. And she goes, excuse me? He's like, yeah, come back tomorrow. We're going to talk about that. Um, Where I'm at in the story now, things are kind of getting a little bit out of control. There's a there's a mystery within the mystery behind this cat. And um, it's the scope of the story is getting larger and larger. And I'm, I'm beginning to wonder, like, what role do the people in this story initially? I thought they were just who they were. But they're not. There, there's more to it than that. Um, it's a super, super charming book. All of the characters are really well established within just pages of meeting them. You know exactly who they are right away. Um, they keep mentioning London. You get like a real sense of being in London. They're naming things. You're seeing things in panels. Um, even some of like the colloquialisms. They're actually in Cardiff, uh, of all places. So maybe they're in Wales. Yes. If they're in Cardiff, they're definitely in Wales. There you go. <laughs> yeah. She Hi, would you. be very <laughs> yeah. upset, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I like I said, I'm only four chapters into it. I read it earlier before we started recording, um, and I, I loved everything that I talked about earlier in my lightning round, but this, I was, I always wait for that one book that like really grabs me and is like, this has got to be your book of the week. This is absolutely my book of the week, and I haven't even finished it yet. Uh, I if you're a, If you're a cat person, you absolutely positively have to read this book based on that alone. And then the fact that it's a really awesome book otherwise should uh, entice you even more. But, um, yeah, I don't want to say too much more about it because I want people to go and discover this for themselves. All right. Uh, so, yeah, Paul Tobin and Benjamin Dewey from Oni Press. I was the cat. Cool. It's awesome. Awesome. All right, Stephanie. Hi. Hi. How you doing? I'm good. If you can hear purring, it's Kaylee. She's like, I'm going to be all up in the mic. She's like, I, damn it, I am I'm the, the cat. cat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> She's like, I don't, I don't care about this other cat. Yeah. I'm the only one. Yeah. All right, With Stephanie. With the real Slim Shady, please stand up. <laughs> oh, by the way, Stephanie, I want you to know, I, you know since I backed uh, The Secret Love of Geek Girls... Uh-huh. I, I get I get like the updates that are like oh here's like what's going on and the last update was like here's a preview of all the prose stories in in, in the in the book and one of them was St- Stephanie's. <gasps> right. Oh my god! I am like published almost. Yeah, I know it's very exciting. <laughs> and I will say I laughed even in like the paragraph of of that that was put there. I was I was laughing. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> I don't even know now. I feel like I should go check to see what they posted in, in a good way. In a good okay, way, good. laughing in a good okay. way. I wasn't like, oh, I, she thinks she can write. <laughs> there's, there's this. Um, I'm, I'm going on one quick tangent. Um, I, like a lot of, well, all of it is based on uh, <laughs> real dating stuff, and um, one of the stories involves me uh, going on a date with somebody and becoming friends with them afterwards. And I sent him the story because I like talk about him obviously with like a different name. But he was like, and then I sent him like the illustrations and stuff. I was like, oh, here's like, you know, this one goes along with like your part of the story. He's like, that doesn't look like me. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I didn't give her reference. <laughs> and he's like, can we like, is this an, like, is this, you know, firm? Is this set in stone? I'm like, I'm not giving her reference. He's like, <laughs> but Steph, he's like, I look like Antonio Banderas. And I'm like, 
tough shit. Like, <laughs> that would be bad. It. Why? <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. not a bad thing. He's like, you don't look like that either. I'm like, yeah, I told her to like artistically interpret it. Like, yeah. it doesn't need to directly be me. He's like, but Steph, me. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, chill out. Hello. Hello. <laughs> yeah. Hello, Stephanie. Hello. <laughs> you don't Indeed. seem happy with the way that things are going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But he was like, so excited that he was in the book. He's like, oh, yay. He wrote about me. He's like, wow, I'm so flattered. I'm like, if you're listening to this, you know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Steph, what, what, what do you got for your book of the week this week? I have got something that just came out, and I, it, it, I, I've championed this uh, previous volume, uh, but this is Step Aside, Pops. A Hark of Agric collection by Kate Beaton. Um, and I've been muting my mic periodically so that I can continue to go through this and laugh. Um, right now, I'm, if anyone doesn't know what Hark of Agrin is, it's basically a series of, um, like, just usually, like, three-panel comics. And some of them are comic book stuff. Some of them are history things. Some of them are, like, just just random stories um she did like <laughs> nancy drew interpretations um all kinds of stuff in the first hark of Agram. and in this one it's the same sort of thing uh little bits of what she just kind of finds inspiration uh from and you know reinterprets it in her own very unique style um kate beaton is hilarious and clearly very smart she um, has a great grasp on all of the history stuff and, you know, the stuff that she can kind of poke fun at and be like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> like, what's happening? Um, but, like, the stuff that I'm currently, like, stuck on is obviously comic stuff because I'm that nerd. But, <laughs> like, there's a whole section of Lois Lane, reporter. Um, yeah. And it's like Clark, Clark Kent is like, um, Superman sure is handsome, isn't he? She's like, mm-hmm. And, you know, like, it's like, to Lois. And it's like this dreamy photo of Superman. She's like, he's like, what do you think that means? She's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> You're ruining my career. He's like, Lois, I can't love you like that. <laughs> like, he just like, oh, it's amazing. I love this. Um, <laughs> the, the Lois Lane stuff. I'm, I'm currently just rereading it. <laughs> Anyways. Um, so there's like this series of amazing amazing stories there's peasant comics and i mean by default i love it because peasant is like my favorite word and shenanigans peasant and shenanigans oh there's wonder woman stuff oh of course there wow is. such wonder woman cool <laughs> i'm just going through this and some things. the usual literature there's some wuthering heights i know and a few yeah. pride and yeah. prejudice riffs and yeah einstein stuff in the hark of vagrant yeah yeah yeah. I love um, that book. And like it's she's not necessarily Kate Beaton isn't necessarily a great artist, but she kind of just rocks what she does. Yes, she if does. that makes sense. Her like, you've seen her family stuff, right? Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Like she just kind of does doodles and yet makes it work. Like I'm pretty sure and I don't mean this in it, she rocks it. Like it's stuff that just about anyone can kind of just like doodle down, but she does it all the time and just makes books out of all mm -hmm. of these things. Um, and it, it's just one of those things that makes you think, wow, 
you too can be a cartoonist, but in a good way. Well, no, the, a, the expression she manages on these various characters, that is not easy to do. As simple no. as it looks, getting that to be right. I love the... Like, and the costumes that she does. Like, she has a really good grasp on, you know, the periods that she's drawing. Mm-hmm. And even though, like, the characters themselves are pretty simplistic, like, she clearly knows... Like, I wouldn't be surprised if she was, like, a history major in university. Yep. I, I forgot what I was going to say. You were going to say, "Wow!" No, I no, I just—it's a very—it's a very signature style. Like I, I remember when Stephanie talked about Harka Vagrant way back, and I, I bought it on her recommendation, and I was tears coming out of my eyes as I was sitting in an airport uh, going to see my girlfriend for one of the first times. And um, Harka Vagrant is one of those books that I've bought uh, upward of like six or seven times, and have given it to different people, and they always come back raving with how unexpectedly awesome. It is, but um, some of the facial expressions that she gets out of those doodles are amazing. There's one of them where I believe it's one of the king, like King Henry or something like that. Like he's like pushing his butt towards the front of the panel and he's kind of doing that hand over the mouth and looking back like a cheeky look on his face. He's got the duck lips going on and then like the big flashy uh, eyelashes batting. Oh my God. It cracks me up every time. And the, um, the fancy Batman. Yes, with uh, with his oh, with yeah. his fancy batarangs. Oh my god, it's so good. I, my my copy is coming on Thursday. I cannot wait to to pop it open and read it. I couldn't wait. Um, like I've been told not to buy things because it's my birthday, but I was like, "F y'all, I need this right now." <laughs> um, again, I'm like looking at this Black Canary one in which Black Canary goes to a death metal show. Nice, as she would. Hmm. As she would, of course. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. And, like, this is just full of... It's something for everybody. Like, it's not even just something that you could buy for a comic book nerd. Like, I've picked this up for people who don't read comics. It's just such a fun coffee table book um, to have around and just kind of, you know, show off. Because there's something that everyone knows about. We all had to read... You know, things like Pride and Prejudice and, um, you know, like Jane Eyre and all that stuff in high school. And she pokes fun of all of that stuff in here. And, you know, it's it's great. It's relatable on so many different levels. Awesome. Awesome. Can't wait. So what's the name of that volume? So this one is called Step Aside, Pops. A Hark of Vagrant <laughs> Collection. Yeah, Stephanie, I'll have you know that yeah, as with Steve, I've given away a, a couple as, as gifts, and it generally sits on my coffee table just because you, people just open it up and take a look at it, and, and I thank you for getting me started on this. And in a weird, this is going to sound really strange, I guess, your emails to me are held in a file that is called Hark. <gasps> <laughs> that's, that's Stephanie, it's just Hark with, a, with an exclamation point. That makes me happy. Oh, thank you. makes me happy all right so it turns out that my personal book of the week is also our shared book of the week sure oh so um i I didn't i didn't pick another book to do we're just gonna move right on to um our shared book of the week which is star wars shattered empire uh greg rucka is uh uh, the writer marco chitetto is the artist uh, Andres Massa on colors um, with a uh, Phil Noto cover and uh, lettering by, again, his name again, 
Joe Carmanda. Wow, what a good book that I probably definitely read. You are the worst. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I didn't tell you yesterday that you should read it and give you a free copy of it or anything. I will. Well, you're just gonna have to. Step aside because oh, cello, cello, cello. Uh, we are joined by Star Wars expert slash fanatic Mara slash Wood, celloist slash celloist Mara Wood. Hello, hello, Mara. Hey. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, Stephanie filled us in with uh, your 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 audio message that you sent her of you playing uh, the Star Wars theme on the cello. Oh, she did. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> You're, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so obviously two weeks ago now, I guess it was Force Friday. Um, yes. <laughs> Mara wasn't excited about that at all. and I'm still having a Force hangover. <laughs> uh, a ton of Star Wars media. And then this past Wednesday, um, Star Wars Shard Empire came out, which is the, the first of the Marvel Star Wars books to take place. Um, kind of, it's not it's after return of the jedi basically that's it's, it's the first one that's in between jedi and force awakens and not filling in gaps in between the uh, the other books so and this it's a it's kind of a, a whole line of s- things that go between books and uh, uh, prose novels and comics called the journey to star wars the, the the force awakens um and uh uh i actually and i think mara has as well i, I think i know mara has as well read uh, smuggler's run which is the prose book that rucka wrote um for this as well um, so we're going to probably talk a little bit about both. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, Star Wars Shattered Empire, like I was saying, uh, takes place uh, right before Return of the Jedi and then really right after it. And it's basically the fallout from the Death Star being destroyed. But we're not talking about a kind of a galactic sense. We're talking about very down on the moon of Endor and, and what the fallout is like there. So, um, you know, we're, we're following characters like Han Solo um you know like uh lando calrissian but we're also following other characters as well poe dameron um which it's, it's so funny that I, I sometimes i forget how many star wars names i i actually know um because i when that name got said i was like i i know that name <laughs> and uh, that was a, a pretty funny uh experience and uh I can't remember the female pilot's name um shara shara okay shara all right uh, and those are the characters that we, we're, we're following. Um, so yeah, so that's the kind of general sense of it. Uh, I uh, I personally was excited to read this because my main problem with reading the other Star Wars comics is that um, I'm not as interested in filling in the gaps of the stories I already know. You know, it, it's it's a part of the reason too why the, the appeal of the prequels, beside what, what movies they are, isn't a huge draw for me because it's kind of filling in the gaps or stuff I already know, right? This is this is completely uncharted territory. I don't know what's going to happen in The Force Awakens, so I don't know what's going to happen here. And that was a big, big draw for me. And, of course, the team is also a big draw for me. I love Greg Rucka. Uh, Marco Cicchetto is his Punisher partner. He's the guy who did the Punisher with him, so having that team back together was an, ama- it was an amazing bonus for me uh, reading this. And uh, my overall impressions of the issue are that I... I really, I enjoyed it. I feel like um, it's a little bit light on story progression. We're dealing with a very contained, uh, very small timeline. You're basically setting up these new characters. You're getting relationships set up. And then, um, you know, most of, really all of the action, most of it, except for a very impressive space battle at, at the start, um, takes place off, off panel. So... Um, and of course, there's a big, a little bit of action scene at the end, but they're very short. They're very one or two pages, and that's it. Um, so, 
so there, it's very light on that stuff, but a, I thought a very enjoyable read. Um, and I'm the last line makes me very excited because I don't know what it means, and the fact that I don't know what it means uh, gets me extremely excited for what's to come because it's been a long time since I watched a Star Wars thing, and I was like, I don't know what comes next. So that made me very, very excited. Um, Bob, what do you think of it? Well, I agree with you. And I seemed the least Greg Rucka book of anything I've ever read <laughs> because he's so big on keeping that storyline moving always. But I thought the two new characters were very interesting. And if those are the people we are, we might see something from, either them, the team they're with, or descendants, because we are still mm-hmm. some time away. I, I like where we're headed here. We have our main characters, but they're sort of off the main stage a little bit. Mm-hmm. They're they're overseeing a little bit, and they're around, but it's what it's very easy to go there mm-hmm. and just say, "Oh, well, we'll do Luke and Leia and Han, and we have great." No, let's try something a little different. We we have some pilot stuff going on, which is nice to see because those for me those are always great, great epic mm-hmm. battle scenes. But it's the characters within them. There's loss and love and all that other good stuff going on too. Uh, can I ask Mara a question while we're here? Absolutely. Mara? So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, is this the first time we, you know, Bobby's talking about how we, we move into these storylines. Is this the first time we've, whether Lucas or Disney or Dark or anyone else has used this period in between and have it been that it counts? Um, in the new canon, yes. Okay. Um, I mean, Star Wars Aftermath came out like a week before this did, but mm-hmm. it's kind of the same same era. Okay. Yeah. So this is this is the first time we've seen anything immediately after the the, the Death Star, the second one blew up. Yeah, wow. this is epic. This yeah. is yeah. Yeah, I mean, of course, there's been hundreds of novels before this, but after everything's been wiped, most of it's been wiped right. now. Um, like Mara was saying, this is the new canon, and and sort of the books that started coming out on Force Friday, th- those are the books that are going to be the new the new canon uh, moving forward. So. Cool. And this is obviously a part of that. Um, and you, I mean, you said, Bob, about sticking with those characters being the sidelines. It's telling that we stay with Shara in the in the cockpit of that ship yes. when Han goes and invades that that base. Um, very, very telling about where the story is going to go. And I, I liked that you kind of get that signal right yeah. away. Very cinematic, too, watching her watch. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Very nicely done. Absolutely. Um, Mar, I'm going to have you talk about it last because I know. Okay. Uh, but Steve, what did you think? Um, I thought it was okay. I, you have to understand, I am a very moderate. We know, we know, we know okay. the back. We know the backstory of your Star Wars fandom. We might have some new. Lessons. What did you think of the book itself? I thought it was all right. Okay, I thought it was all right. Uh, I like that right away. It kind of has that Rucka stamp on it that we're following a strong female character. Uh, I like that it's somebody. I mean, there's hundreds of characters in the Star Wars universe that I don't know, but I like the idea of being on the same playing field as everyone else as far as being introduced to someone Mm -hmm. i liked that i was able to know where it falls in like the grand scheme of things and in the storytelling of that universe that i i have seen the movies so i i know where we are in the time finally which was really awesome (laughs) um but stuff like the like the dog fighting battles and everything like that absolutely gorgeous the the Artwork is phenomenal. It really is nice to see the the team back together. But those pages, for me personally, don't do anything for me. Something like that, like dogfighting, and when it's just stilled on a page, I don't get any any rush. I don't get any any sense of of movement from that stuff. It's beautiful, 
but it, it doesn't it doesn't fill me with anything besides like let's get back to the story. And I understand that some things happen within the air that will you know come back down onto the ground. But I found the relationship aspects of the book and what's happening with Shayna and who she has back home far more interesting than anything else. Even more interesting than the main characters that I that I do know, because for me like that's that's where Rucka shines is with his his smaller like interpersonal stuff that he puts in his books that might keep me reading, but it might be, it might be a trade situation for me. I'm very excited about the new movie coming out in December. Uh, I don't know if this will even be out by the time that that hits, or maybe they're planning it so that it does. I'm drop sure it's right going before. to be. I'm yeah. I, th- I, might, I think the trade is coming out. I want to say November. Like they're they're rushing it pretty quick. All I think right, it's so coming this, out before the rest of the issues. This is something that I probably wouldn't pick up month to month, but I would I would grab the trade in anticipation of seeing the movie. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I mean it, it was it was cool. I I just it's one of those things where I just don't have an affinity for the universe. Mm. Okay. So, yeah. All right. But as a comic book, <laughs> it's gorgeous. And Rucka, Rucka always brings uh, a distinguished vibe to, to pretty much anything I've ever read mm. of his. And uh, I think I think as far as Star Wars goes, it's the best Star Wars thing that I've read that I've tried. All right, cool. Yeah. All right, Mara, what did you think of Star Wars Shattered Empire? Um, honestly, I didn't think it was enough. Okay. It left me, um, it, it was kind of, I think y'all have said, like, it's kind of light on plot. Because um, there are six pages of space battle. And I love the space battle scenes. I think they're gorgeous. Um, I think it does a good job of kind of setting the scene and showing the stakes for Shara and what she's been through. But the rest of the plot is kind of light. Because after after that, basically, um, she sleeps with her husband. And they go with some Ewoks on a mission. Mm-hmm. And it's all again off panel, so it, it seems kind of light on the actual story. And I'm hoping that you know th- the following issues are going to dive more into the plot and exactly what's happening um, now that the the empire is starting to crumble. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, me too. I so uh, what did you think of sort of the now? I know Poe is not a new character, but uh, is Shara a completely new character as far as your knowledge goes? Well, it's not Poe. It's Kess. Oh, it's his Kes. father. Oh, yes. okay. K-E-S. Oh, I thought, I thought they called him Poe Dameron. That's why I was... They called him uh, Commander Dameron. Oh, okay. So that's why I, I guess I just... I guess I just took... I guess I well, just... Well, I mean, as soon as you... Or, sorry, Sergeant Dameron. And okay. as soon as you see it, immediately think Poe Dameron. You're yeah. like, yes! This is so exciting! <laughs> Who is Poe Dameron? It's, it's, <laughs> it's immediately tying this character... I mean, we've seen all this stuff for Force Awakens, and it's always been Ray and Finn, Ray and Finn, Captain Phasma, Kylo mm-hmm. Ren, all these other characters. And Poe Dameron kind of gets like the short stick of it all because yeah. he's. It, we don't know exactly what his role is, but we kind of feel Finn and Ray out. We kind of know the First Order. So seeing that last name in here, and you know, working on the assumption that these are his parents, mm-hmm. I think ties this whole story and the the rebellion to him um very nicely like a lot closer right uh, for for bob was asking who is poe dameron <laughs> help me out here um so in this new trilogy that's coming out they have um three main light side characters mm. um so you have ray who's the female character and you have finn who is 
Um, the guy that we saw in the stormtrooper uniform oh, who also okay. holds a lightsaber. Yeah. We don't know what's going on. <laughs> and um, Poe Dameron, who we always see in a flight suit with an X-Wing. Yeah. The Oscar Isaac character is, is Poe yes. Dameron. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and again, we don't we don't see a whole lot about him other than he flies an X-Wing and is tied to the Rebellion in some way. But this this particular comic, I hope, kind of fleshes out his backstory a little bit more. Yeah, a- absolutely. It's, it's interesting um, because it's the, the, the most exciting thing about this for me, and like you were saying, Mara, is that we're going to start to see things that link directly to that new movie. And that's what I'm really excited about, seeing the universe start to build itself out um you know this 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 timeline which we which is now completely fresh and completely wiped um due to the due to what they went the you know the kind of changeover with Lucasfilm to Disney and the fact that we now have characters that are going to be all new and all different and um Bob it's looking at when you were when you were riling through those characters those are all characters from the new movie Captain Phasma Kylo Ren those are all characters from the new movie uh, I know how people feel when I go rambling yeah. right now. <laughs> <laughs> well you know the good thing is since they wiped the canon and they're starting fresh it's much easier to dive into because I've tried going into the Legends universe mm. and you know there are hundreds of books about Star Wars out there yeah. hundreds there are hundreds and, yeah like even more comics and it's very intimidating to me and I'm a Star Wars fan like I'm committed yeah, and I if I say it's hard to do, then it's very difficult. Um, but this new canon is a lot more manageable, especially if you're jumping in right now and kind of um, picking up some of these new books and comics and just trying to pick and choose um, what you're into and what you want to learn more about. Yeah, I have a question. Yes. Okay, I have both you and Mara on here, yeah. so I'm gonna ask. I'm gonna ask now. What is the deal with Boba Fett? What is like people's? He's a hugely popular character yes. for no real reason. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, why? Yes. Because why? he looks awesome. He does. That is yeah. why he okay. does. But in the movies, as far as my my that I can recall, he doesn't do much. He has very little screen time, and he dies. That's correct. Spoiler. Hundred mm-hmm. percent correct. Um, he gets eaten by the starlight. Okay. So is his maybe his character in the novels more fleshed out that people fell in love with him? I'm sure that they did flesh him out in, in novels, but his popularity stems from the fact that. In return, in uh, Empire Strikes Back, when you see him for the first time, um, a he he's like a he's like one of the best designed like villain characters you oh, ever see. Cool, yeah, because you see him immediately, and all, immediately your head is like this. Hey, this guy looks awesome. Like who is this guy? He has that very kind of in, like very sort of like interesting voice that they that they give him, and you know people seem very scared of him, but it, it really is the look that, that, that to just capture people's imagination. He dies in a really yeah. lame way. Yeah, yeah he does. Yeah, it's like screaming as he goes into the pit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Sarlacc pit. The Sarlacc pit, yeah. I think um, if we're looking at just the new canon and ignoring like Legacy of the Force and all those other, like Shadows of the Empire and things like that, what makes Boba Fett more interesting is the fact that we see a lot of him in Clone Wars. Mm see him as a young right. as a young child trying to be a bounty hunter and trying to be rough and tough and that doesn't really match up with the original trilogy version that we see and it, you know it's just kind of one of those discrepancy things where you're like uh why do you guys like him so much i really <laughs> like the new stuff that you're trying to justify why you like him but the original material where he came from and you know he he came from um did you guys ever watch star wars holiday special no no uh, okay. Saw it, saw it then. I've seen the bootleg DVD. Yes. Um, there is an animated cartoon 
Yes. Um, and Boba Fett's in it, and that's his introduction. Oh, wow. And okay. it's super lame. <laughs> yeah. Not, not as lame as Art Carney and Beatrice Arthur and all the rest <laughs> you know, of it. You know this favorite. Christmas, I'm throwing a Star Wars holiday special. Good for you. Life Day party. Good for you. <laughs> life, life Day? Because <laughs> yeah. that's what they celebrate. Yes. <laughs> Oh, Mara. <laughs> Thank you for clearing that up. I've always been so confused by that that I've, I've throughout, like, even way before we started doing this, for years growing up, people just, oh my God, Boba Fett. I, okay. Wh- I, where? It just looks cool. I mean, that's he the, does. That's the, and, 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 like, when I was a kid, definitely captured my imagination. Well, I had uh, a lot of Star Wars action figures. Even if I wasn't really a huge fan, I loved the figures. I had a whole bunch of them. And he was definitely, he had a, quite the number of run-ins in my bathtub with the G.I. Joes. Well, yeah. Uh, Mara, what were you going to say? I was going to say, IG-88 is far scarier than Boba Fett. Who is IG-88? Oh, my gosh. You don't um, know? No. And in, in uh, Empire Strikes Back, you know, when Darth Vader gathers the bounty hunters mm-hmm. together, um, one of them is a scary-ass looking robot. Oh, uh, yeah. Real skinny. And did you guys ever play Shadows of the Empire video game no, on I N64? Never, yes, I did yes, play. I did. Oh my gosh! Okay, when you're on, um, shoot, what is that? The the trash planet. I just call it the trash planet, <laughs> and you have to fight them, and it is the scariest thing. I had nightmares as a kid about them. The only places <laughs> I know are Endor and Hoth. That's it. Okay, well, the trash and Alderaan. Planet. <laughs> the trash planet. Because every planet is a stereotype. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that's it's really interesting. That that whole both I think is very interesting. Um, and also in Empire Strikes Back, he's kind of a badass. He freaking yeah. fo- he fools everybody. He's you know he's he's got a ship floating in the debris like it's a piece of garbage. And yeah. then did they, and he catches Han, throws him in the carbonite. Did they re-release the Star Wars movies without all of that extra crap no. in them? No. Ugh. I mean, they did years yeah, ago. Yeah. They did years ago. But they put them out as part of. They went out of print almost immediately. Yeah. It's a two-disc set with the. One of the special editions, mm-hmm. and then the uh, the un mostly unmessed with yeah. theatrical editions. Except at the time, Mr. Lucas said, "Well, we lost the original footage, so all we can use are the masters we created for the laser discs." Mm-hmm. Right. So th- they're not in surround sound because mm-hmm. they're I, not in the highest resolution. Yeah, they're and really they're bare not, bones. They're not anthropomorphic widescreen either. Mm, yeah, just I, for fun. I have the. Um uh, like the DVD versions without like the extra cantina scenes and stuff like that. Like it, there was a VHS set that came out. There was a yeah. gold one and a silver yeah. one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No, I, cause I have, I have that giant saga box set, the Blu-ray box set that we did that huge marathon yes. at my place. And, um, Oh man, those scenes are so bad. They are terrible. Oh, they're awful. <laughs> that the whole music scene with the just the cantina and oh, the yeah. singing and oh, coming yeah. into the camera and everything's bopping around like it's in Fraggle Rock. Well, that's not in the cantina. Yeah. That's in Jabba's palace. Uh, yeah, sorry, same, my mistake. Same planet, though. Same, same planet. planet. Same You're planet. Right yes. track. Down yeah, the street. Yeah. yeah, yeah, down the street. How come um, people don't love Jabba the way they love Boba? Jabba's, Jabba's pretty a, cool. I'm a pizza the hut man. A slug. He's <laughs> a giant slug. <laughs> and who's kind of a and perv? He's not. He doesn't have like a air of mystery about no, him. Yeah. Like, I can see no, why people like Boba Fett because he doesn't say much and the, he actually, like, kills people whereas Jabba <laughs> the Hutt just sits there and eats bullfrogs. And yeah. <laughs> Do we ever actually see Boba Fett kill anybody in the movies? Uh, I can't remember. Well, in the Clone Wars. Yeah, I don't know if you see him kill anybody in the no, movies or not. I don't think so. But, um, definitely. I mean, he's a bounty hunter. If he kills someone, he's kind of, uh, yeah, it's true. you know, this is his bounty. Not in his thing. Not in his, uh, I MO. want the dead or alive, you know. Maybe you get more money if they're alive. Yeah, um, that's the that's the case. <laughs> Always hundred percent. He's a th- he's a thrifty bounty hunter. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I'm not going to pay for all these garrot wires. 
but I, <laughs> I also, I started reading the, the aftermath book, which is, uh, I'm like, I'm like, uh, I don't know how many chapters I am in, but, uh, it's the, like the, Mara was saying the, the post, um, return of the Jedi novel, um, kind of taking the place of the other post return of the Jedi novels that have been there before. Uh, Chuck Wendig is, is the writer on it. And, uh, I'm, 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 I'm not very far into it, but I, I've been really enjoying it so far. I think it's a really cool, uh, take, uh, on everything. And, uh, I love it because the first thing, the first person you see in it is Wedge. And I always, yes. always oh. had like a affinity f- f- oh. f- for Wedge. So it, it's really great to just, you know, he pops in there and it like, it makes me feel like s- sort of like, you know, g- give me that like Rogue One, whatever that movie is going to be feeling to it at the very beginning. But Mara, have you read the whole thing? Yeah, I I, uh, <laughs> I got it Friday and then I finished it Saturday morning. <laughs> wow. I had to know. I had to know. It's like the Harry Potter of Star Wars. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It is. It's, it's going to be a trilogy of books, right? Yes. Yeah. So yes. what did what did you think of it, Mara? I was really I was really happy with it. Um, and part of the reason why I was so happy with it is I like that they're fleshing out the non-Jedi part of the universe right mm-hmm. now. Yeah. Because most, most of the stuff that we know is the Skywalker saga. And we know a little bit about... Um, Kanan and his his journey as a Jedi and what it's taken him to the rebels, but we don't know much about um, the fighter pilots, the mm-hmm. soldiers, the people who are involved in the rebellion or just live in the universe and and trying to live under this empire. And that's what aftermath gives us. It looks at um, you know just a bounty hunter, a rebel soldier, imperial um, defector, kid just sitting in his shop with a battle droid. Mm-hmm. best friend or something i don't <laughs> but it, it gives us a different feeling of star wars while still being star wars so it's less about the mythology of the force and more about just kind of surviving yeah yeah the imperial defector thing which is what i kind of I, i'm not that far past when you first meet that character um mm-hmm. that's a fascinating thing to me because we've never seen an imperial as something anything other than a a, a uniform wearing you know sort of uh, officer, we've never seen anything other than that really in, in any of the the main canon. So it's really cool to see a, a person who was part of that and is just like a regular citizen. I mean, it's, it's a badass, but it's still like, you know not not in an officer's uniform doing officer stuff. And he's got like a crazy. Um, I don't know. I don't know if they've said the role he had while he was in the Empire. I haven't gotten there yet. I, no. Okay, um, but it's it's crazy. Um, just how how intimidating. The, the force of the empire was to its own officers and its own soldiers and things like that. And he played a big role in it. That's cool. That's really cool. So. And, and I also, uh, I, like I said before, I read Smuggler's Run, which is super short. I mean, it's, it's a very easy short read. Um, actually, I should, I listened to the audiobook. I'm listening to the audiobook of Aftermath as well. I'm doing it at the gym, but it's like, yeah, first of all, the audiobook presentations are great. I mean, they, yes. they, 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 this guy, Mark Thompson does like a thousand voices. Um, and there are other, I think, uh, actual voices from the th- stuff they, they put in there. Um, but there's sound effects, there's music, uh, it's done really, really well. And <clears throat> especially there's a, this big sort of, uh, space, uh, battle at the end of, um, Smuggler's Run. And the way it was read and the music and all the sound effects, I, I was like really on the edge of my seat, like, uh, my, my driver's seat when I was driving, <laughs> listening to it. It was so engrossing and fun, but, uh, Smuggler's Run takes place actually... It takes place a little bit. It takes place after, like right near the Force Awakens. I'm guessing, and then also, but most of it takes place um, between uh, New Hope and Empire. So yeah. it's uh, Han and Chewie. Uh, Princess Leia sends them sort of on a, a run to get this 
um, very important member of of the of the rebellion and get him back from this outer rim planet. And uh, of course, they run into the you know they run into the Empire when when they're trying to get him. And uh, there's this commander, Commander Beck, right? That's her name. Yes. Uh, this one-eyed like uh, commander who uh, she is. A, a badass and really, really brutal, but she's a pretty awesome uh, new character. What did you think of Smugglers One, Mara? I I loved it. Um, it was a quick read for me because um, I, I bought them on audiobook and I bought them in hardback. Of like, course, I, of course, I, yeah. I couldn't decide, so I did both. <laughs> well, so you buy I the back comic when it comes out too. <laughs> audiobook was great. Yeah. Um, what what the the part that I listened to it because as soon as I was finished listening, I just went and grabbed it. Um, <laughs> But the thing that I like about this new Expanded Empire is introducing evil female villains. Yes. Like Commander Beck mm-hmm. and um, like an Aftermath race loan. Like yeah. we have these we, this, these women who are ruthless and they don't have that Catwoman mentality where, you know, they can be kind of good but a little bit <laughs> evil and they're going to do what they want but they still love and blah, 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 blah. No, they will kill you. And it is awesome. Um, so that's what I, that's the part about Smuggler's Run that I really enjoyed. And I like that um, it had quite a bit of Chewbacca's perspective in it. Yeah, that was really that was really neat. That was because you do, you have no idea what he's thinking. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have you don't know what he's saying. You don't know what he's feeling other than whatever Han says, and who knows if he's lying. <laughs> so I thought it was brilliant to incorporate his thoughts and feelings into this novel. Yeah, absolutely. It was it, it was really cool. I haven't seen that since that holiday special where we saw his family. <laughs> well, even no, even <laughs> then there is no subtitles when the Wookiees are talking for twenty minutes straight. <laughs> To each other. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God. Um, it's terrible. <laughs> Did you read any of the others, Mara? Any other books? I, I read Moving Target. Okay. Which is the Leia one. The Leia one. And um, I started the audiobook for um, Weapon of the Jedi. Right. And I one, have right? Lost Stars, but I haven't started that one yet. And that's um, that one is, from what I've read about it, is total YA novel. Yeah. Romance. Um, you know, star-crossed lovers, and I'm like, I need to be in a mood. I need to sit down and just, like, <laughs> have myself some wine and just plow through it because I'm, I'm pretty excited about that one. So it's kind of like <laughs> my dessert Star Wars book. Nice. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Mara, I really appreciate you coming on and uh, and helping us out. It's always a pleasure. Um, uh, you have your own, another podcast. You're do The Misfits, obviously. Obviously, yes. Um, but you have another podcast that you just started. Why don't you tell people who listen, maybe don't know about Talking Shoujo? Oh my gosh, Talking Shoujo is my excuse to fangirl about girly anime and manga with Maria Norris, and it it was kind of born out of this um, this thought that we had because we text each other constantly about all the girly anime we're watching. And our feelings and our emotions and our critiques of it. And then it was like, why don't we just start a podcast about it? We're both smart. We can hold a conversation. We can we can talk about um, new manga and anime. So we started it. And it's out there, episode one. And we're going to be recording our second episode this week. And that one's going to be kind of um, looking into different manga that are being published now, like... Um, then past month, new new series and things like that. And then after that, we're starting our um, Madoka watch party. And what that is, is every episode that we put out, we're going to be covering three episodes of Madoka. Nice. Yeah. And we're going to be like summarizing and going into um, imagery and looking at 
different kinds of aspects of the show and how it ties in together. And we're doing it at a pace that listeners can can go with us and give us their thoughts along the way. So hmm. little three episode chunks once a week. And then after that, we're doing um, the movie and then we're covering the manga. So we're kind of just like going full on into Madoka. And then along the way, we're doing like reviews of, of new shows and, and manga as well. Awesome. I would very much like to talk to you about fairy tale sometime. <laughs> oh, watched, how far did you get into it? I watched four episodes uh, today while I was uh, dabbling online <laughs> for Jovo and stuff like that. And I, we don't have to have the conversation here, but um, like the nature of your show, I'm very curious as to how you feel about the depiction of the female characters with even just within those first few episodes. Oh, shonen anime is such a treasure trove for female tropes. Oh, it's so bad. <laughs> like, how big can their boobs get before, you know, we have to give this a different rating? Like the, and the, that's kind of the approach fairy tale has. The comments and, and the, the whole, like, the, the maid situation where they go to that house for the book and he's just, oh, it's... I was thinking of both you and Maria the whole time I was watching and I'm just like, man, like, I want to pick your brains. I want to know, like, where do you, where do you stand? Cause it, it's fun. It's a, it's a fun anime. It's I'm, a fun show. Yeah. I'm enjoying it, but oh man, like I'm like ticking off mentally in my head. I'm like, well, that's rude and that's wrong. And oh my God. Well, that's, that's something we talked about in our first episode that you can be critical of something and still enjoy it. Yeah. As long as you know what you're being critical of, like you can, um, you can have a problem, like, you can have problems with lots of things in shoujo manga, like mm. um, domineering men who are always, like, trying to get their way and pressuring the girls, but you can still enjoy it as long as you can point to it and say, you know, this is a problem in real life, mm -hmm. this is why, and you can be critical of something and still enjoy it. So I can be critical of fairy tale. Yeah, like there's a lot of weird things going on like, here that are not one, right. <laughs> one of her own summons, like the first thing he says when he comes out, he's like, Rrr, "Moo!" He's like, "You're looking good." Oh, it's been a while. Uh, I'm like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> like you keep this guy on your hip pocket all the time. This is terrible. <laughs> so anyway, you have a listener. I started listening to the show uh, this afternoon, and it's wonderful. And I, I wish you both the best of luck. Thank you. Welcome. Yes, of course, and uh, yeah. thank you so much, Mara, for joining us and. Uh, I know you have some uh, business to attend to, so I'll let yes, you get off and, and do that. But uh, congratulations and good luck with the show. And I'm sure we'll have you back on to talk about Star Wars some more very soon. Oh, I hope so. There's there's might be a movie coming out in a few months. I've heard. I've heard <laughs> rumors. I, I don't know. I, don't, I am in full like Star Wars hysteria right now. Like th there's like this. The comic got me a little started. Then I then I listened to the, the first book. Now I'm on the second book, and I'm just like. I'm excited for Battlefront. I'm gonna buy Star yes. Wars Rebels. Uh, I'm gonna like. I'm. I'm, I'm yep. going. I'm. It's seriously. I can feel like the, the, Did, the, 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 the hole. <laughs> I'm gonna about to be in the hole soon. I heard that the Disney 3.0 Star Wars is very good. Oh, I have it. Disney Infinity. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh my stars! Like Ahsoka <laughs> is my go-to girl on that game. Double lightsabers. I can like throw them and like slash people in half and do like a spinning move. Did it's they finally totally figure it. out totally though how to dropping. like they they improve the combat system with the second game? But have they made the story mode a bit more interesting? Um, there's a lot of like, oh, go do this or go do that, and you know, kind of like kid stuff. If I have to carry um, one more heavy object to the front line of a nothing <laughs> battle, I'm going to be so pissed. Well, it's off. gonna it's gonna. I mean, I, I I gotta assume the 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 top of its complexity is gonna be like a Lego game. Like it can't be. Any more complex than that? There was it's like, more fun if you play it with somebody else. I'm right. sure. Yeah. yeah, there was like five different mission types in that second one, yeah. and the design around those those tasks was it was awful. It was awful. 
let me just give you like let me just tell you um like I played as Leia on Tatooine and I was throwing Jawas into the Sarlacc pit. I was picking them up, throwing them in. Sarlacc was burping them out. Picking That's them up, awesome. throwing them in. And it was a hoot. It was enough for me. You are, it already sounds like more fun. You are a Jawa murderer, Mara. Shh. <laughs> it's a video game. All right, Mara, we're going to let you go, but thank you so much. And, Thanks for uh, having me. Of course. And listen to the Misfits, listen to Talking Shoujo. And uh, you have a great night, Mara. You too. Good night. All right. That's exactly what I expected to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Went exactly as I wanted it to go. Um, all right. Let's let's jump into our our uh, our article. Oh wow, I almost forgot about that. That we're going to talk about here. Um, so we'll, we'll put we'll post the link in in the in the show notes to this, but it's called Shelf Life Review 101 Tools for Reviewing Comics. This is by um, <clears throat> Ron Mars and it's on comic book resources and uh you know obviously we're not going to read the article on air but basically it is ron mars was was reading comic reviews he saw some stuff that he did not he did not like and sort he sort of decided to write a, a review or write an article that basically says like if you want to review comics here are the things that you need to do um <clears throat> i thought it was an interesting read especially because you know that we review comics yeah. <laughs> every week and I also think it's I, I was I was worried maybe it's a little too inside baseball, but I think people are usually generally interested in kind of how that goes, and it's important I think for people as well because people read reviews to you know maybe sometimes make buying decisions, so it's important to kind of know um, you know demarcate you know what is good and, and what isn't. Um, that's not to say that I think that I'm, I'm, I agree with everything that Ron says in the article because I, I I don't, um, but I feel like it's an interesting talking point to go off of and. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to try to do this uh, every week. Um, we have a kind of a shared document we're, we have together, and we're going to all kind of throw our ideas for articles we want to talk about, and we'll all decide together what we're going to talk about. Uh, I kind of sprung this, uh, you know, a couple days ago, so uh, I didn't, you know, so I picked the article, so just so everybody knows. Um, but in the future, what we'll do is even the articles we don't use, we'll post the links to them in the show notes mm. so people can check out the ones that we didn't use. Do we have a book of the week for next week? Um, we do not yet, but we will do that after this is over. Okay. Okay. Um, uh, I I think I, I guess I technically chose this week, so Stephanie chooses next week. I think. Yeah, I think, I think that's how that works. <laughs> oh, 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 I'm sorry. You're if you're here. <laughs> Maybe somebody <laughs> else should actually pick it because I'm pretty sure. I can come. Do you want me to take a look? Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay. Steve, do you take a look? Yeah. We're talking about this. So, um, let's talk. Let's talk about the article. I mean, Bob, you you have of course your customary um, three pages of notes in front of oh, you. Oh, just one. But I do have the I do have the article. <laughs> you here. do have the article as well. And I didn't write this, despite all the. <laughs> old-time carping. I agree with virtually everything he had to say in that it's about not writing a four-year-old, a fourth-grader's book report. Mm -hmm. You know, just, we've all seen those reviews where it's four paragraphs of what happened in this issue, and then he did so-and-so, and and then did so-and-so, but I won't tell you the ending. No, I don't now need to read the book. You want to tease through that idea Maybe a high point without giving away a good joke or a great scene or a surprise. And it's not just comic reviewers, a lot of other reviewers. Mm-hmm. He wants to make sure that you understand what a comic is, how it's created, what, what the writing process is. Though He talks a lot about how everything is full script. It wasn't always all full script, not everything is today, but it's good to know what full script is, that a writer sits down and writes what's in this panel, what's in that, but that it is still a collaboration. We had a whole episode, really, Mm. where we were talking about artist or writer Mm -hmm. and how it's a little bit of both. He does explain very, very succinctly 
what the grid is, what the gutters are, word balloons and not bubbles, and don't call them story boxes, storyboards and cap, uh, word boxes, they're captions and so on. And it's important to know that sort of stuff. But to me, the point he makes, the smallest that's the biggest is the idea of context. I may put too much context in when I write a piece. <laughs> my, my bent on such things is about the history of it. You don't have to have read every issue of Batman to write a review of a Batman comic. But if you're writing about some event and some villain or some combination thereof, you should maybe know that there was another one. I, I read reviews sometimes, and I'll be screaming at the page or at the computer screen, yeah, but that happened in FF9 when they, F when they went broke. How come you didn't then mention that? When you see a movie review, when, remember the movie Four Kings a few years ago? Uh, Mark Wahlberg three and kings, George Clooney. Three, three Kings. Three Kings. Yeah. Four Kings is something else. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I, I, I updated them. I don't it's remember the, the movie, it's, The Four it's, Kings. It's the deluxe edition. <laughs> and they're talking about, oh, these soldiers go behind enemy lines to get some gold and so on and so forth. It's during the Iraq War. I'm reading the review. It's, it's Kelly's Heroes. This is a Clint Eastwood movie. This is one of the biggest movies of 1969 or 68, whatever it was. And it's the same movie. Could someone mention that maybe this happened before? You don't have to give away the plot. You don't have to go crazy, but just keep it together. As, as he talks about, if you don't know who Alex Toth is, maybe you should go Google him. I don't or why Will that. Eisner is important. That I do know. And, and those sort of things. And, and again, it crops up in movie reviews. There was a, uh, a Disney special on PBS last night about Walt Disney. And if you looked at it quickly, it made it look like he invented cartoons, which he didn't. There's Edward Moybridge and Windsor McKay and, and Charles Renault and uh, could provide context. So that's the long way around of saying, like, if you're going to write a review, you don't have to write a 47-page review to get there to say, and something like this happened once before. You might want to check that out. Hmm. I disagree with some of your points. I agree with others. I, I think that... I think that Ron makes a, a couple of really good points. I absolutely agree, uh, and I've always said this: reviews are not plot summaries. It's not about what happened; it's about how how it happened, absolutely. how they pulled it off. That that is what a review is. Um, you're not trying to you're not recapping. That that's just not what you're doing, especially in a comic book which is 20 pages. If you recap it, there's no reason to read it. Yes. It's at some at some point, you know. It's not like when the like the kind of the TV show recap craze that it is going on right now, which I'm iffy on it, uh, as well, but. Um, and I do agree as well that re your reviews are not a venue for, and he says this, reviews are not a venue for what the reviewer thinks should have happened. Yes. Um, I, you know, review the book for what it is. I totally, those two things I totally agree with. Um, and yes, I do think it's a good idea for people who review comics to have a general understanding of how comics are put together. But I've always thought that there is a line that when it gets crossed, when you know too much, then you're not reviewing for the person who maybe wants to buy that book. You're reviewing for the creators who are going to read the reviews of, of that you are writing. Because a, a general consumer, and it's still different comics, the comics are a very specialized front, and people who are into them are usually really into them. Um, it's not a hundred across the board, but um, that happens a lot. People tend to invest more in it because it's more of a niche um, hobby, You know, picking up actual issues of comic books, whether it be digitally or physically. But I do think that... Look, yes, you should know the terminology, what a gutter is, all, all this kind of stuff. But honestly, people who are reading your reviews don't know what those things are. So if you use the word gutters 
like they're probably not going to know what you're talking about, you know? So, um, and yeah, maybe you're forcing them to go and look up more about the form in which they're reading, but a lot of people just want to read a comic because they want to have a good time. And basically I think that there's two schools of thought. There's, listen, if you're going to be a hard critic, and I'm talking about film criticism and, or literature criticism that was published in books and and is, and is meant to be sort of a deep dive on, on the way things are, 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 are written and, and how they reflect on our culture and, you know, the ins and outs, like a theorist, basically, like a film theorist for comics, then yes, you need to do all that stuff. But if you're reviewing a book and you're telling, if I'm telling, let's say Steve is coming to the site to read a review and he's like, should I buy Batman 44? That's what my, that's what my review needs to tell him. And the other stuff is good, but I feel like it's not essential for a comic book review. It's essential for someone who, I know it's essential for someone who knows a ton about comics, or writes or creates comics when they read a review, but I don't think it's essential for a consumer who is just looking for should I buy this book or or shouldn't I buy this book? Um, yeah, so that that's the one part I, I kind of disagree with. I think you get too inside baseball with, with that other stuff because honestly, like you talk about, you know, um, you know, it, it elevates your review if you're able to read something and then go, oh, it happened in FF nine, so I'm going to reference that in there. But if it's, if the person reading your review hasn't read FF nine that reference means nothing to them. You know what I mean? Or the same thing with Will Eisner. If they don't know Will Eisner, you saying it's, you know, it, 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 it's reminiscent of Eisner means nothing to them, right? It's just like, that, that, that is a name I've seen before, but it m- means nothing to me. Yeah, lost a moment to educate. Yeah, but if you're, you're assuming people are going to read that review and then go off and research Will Eisner, which it's possible, but I, I highly doubt someone coming to read a review of a 20-page book is going to do... 30 minutes of research after they see a name in, in, in a review. Now, I approached almost any art form mm-hmm. I loved without the internet back all those years ago in just the way you're saying didn't happen. That could be just my craziness. Bob, you are, you are, you, but you're an exceptional case. I'm not, I'm not talking about you because you are an extremely critical mind. You're very into the way things are made. You're very into the history of how things are done. Um, I, you know, and and so are the, everyone is sitting at this table. Obviously, mm-hmm. we we're, we're reviewing comics, so we care more. We go deeper with them. I would say care more. We go deeper with them in other ways than a general consumer sure. would. But I feel like we are edge cases. Uh, um, and I don't think you should talk down to somebody. I don't think you should dumb down a review. But I think showing off terms is not necessarily the best way to communicate to someone who wants to read it, read a read a read Batman that you know that that's what it's doing. I, I think writing articles about that is a great idea. I think writing columns about it, I think writing pieces about it is essentially important because you want to educate the people who are reading the books. But I think in a review, I think you're, you're, it's just my philosophy, right? Is that you're there to tell people, should you read this book or shouldn't you? And that, and that's, that, that's really my sort of underlying um, kind of dictum for, for when, for when I write a review. Let's see, what do you think of the article? Um, it's funny. I'm listening to you guys, and I think I, I kind of approached it a little differently. Uh, I found it to be very informative. Uh, I also found it to be rather off-putting in in the way the way in which that it was introduced to me. Um, I don't know if it was. It seemed like it was written out of frustration, definitely more than so. more than education. I mean, it did educate, mm-hmm. but it was definitely written out of frustration because from the point of view that I got from the the beginning of the article. I felt like it was I was reading a, you know, couple page long, like a wagging finger in my face for for however it is that I approach comic book reviewing. Um, I don't write too many reviews uh, of comics on the site, 
but I know that when I was writing them pretty regularly, I liked the freedom that we provide our, our writers and stuff like that. I like approaching it from like my way that I want to do it. I believe that there's room for that stuff. Uh, knowing the terminology, I think, yes, that is important. And he, he dropped some terms that I was like, I didn't know they were called gutters. No idea. Spaces. You know, just because I have a different term for it, if I can explain that term in a, in a way that other people can grasp what, what I mean, what I'm saying, I think it's okay. Like there's, there's room for different language. I mean, I understand that a thing is what it is, but if the writer can conveys it in their own way and you know what they're talking about, I think it's okay. Um, he seemed to, he seemed to put it in a way that like it was law that it, ha- it has to happen this way. You have to have half half story, half art. That is the way that your review has to go. And I, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with, with the idea of dividing it in half. Um, and he was pretty strict about that. I think that people are attracted to comics for different reasons. And I believe, I believe that it's important to talk about both, certainly. But if a story, if you're more there for story than you are for art, you tell me why and explain that in your review. And, you know, don't go off on a tangent, but it's okay to, I mean, don't let the, don't let the, the art be an afterthought. That's, that's not right. Cause it does tell as much of the story, um, if not even more so in certain cases than the written stuff. But, um, I just, I found it, I found the article itself very hard-nosed and if you're talking about writers you need people that are gonna stir things up that are gonna shake things up that are gonna put it to you from their own perspective that's why you're there if you become a fan of somebody's stuff or their delivery their delivery might not adhere to those rules and that's why you love it so i mean that was more or less what i got out of it um but like i i mentioned before uh it was a very educational article i appreciated that aspect of it and certainly some of the things that he mentions uh i i believe are very important i just i felt like it was a my way or the highway kind of delivery and i just i think that with the ever-changing face and how difficult it is to have a strong voice in a sea of voices especially on the internet that you need to do things differently you need to think outside the lines know your stuff but find your way of presenting it to people and and tailor it as you as you go along in your career as a writer yeah i mean i think that i i i I don't i I think you're right i think he is frustrated i think there's hard no stuff there but i mean you can take the things he's saying and you can shape them into any any delivery you want you know um it's not like he's saying you have to do it like this this that he's not giving you a structure for it but i think that i think you're right i think there is a sense of that directness. I don't want to necessarily review the article. I think it's more like the the content of it and how it's, what ideas it brings to my mind. I want to give Stephanie a chance to to chime in here. Stephanie, uh, what did you think of this, and what, what's kind of your opinion on you know reviewing comics, and and would you do you think this is a good thing to follow or what? Um, I think personally that I mean what you said in terms of they're there to let um you know readers know whether they should be buying these comics or not you know we're putting like how much are marvel comics now like 4.99 each 3.99 to 4.99 yeah 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 Yeah. you know that's a lot of money for 24 pages Mm -hmm. um 
And I think it's a fair game to kind of be like, this is what you should put your money into and this is what you shouldn't. Um, I also like to think of reviews as, um, like for me, I, I find it's helpful as a reviewer to think what's creative criticism to the creators. Like if they read this, would, like, I mean, if there's things to criticize, is it put in a way that... Um, gives them feedback that they can work with or are you just being a jerk? Mm-hmm. Are you just being like, it's stupid. The art was dumb. The colors were bleh. <laughs> or are you actually saying what can be changed and fixed to make it something that you would read and you would recommend to your readers? Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of like my stance on reviews in general. Um, sorry, I got like really sidetracked because uh, my roomie's home. <laughs> um, but yeah, like uh, that's that's like my stance. I I think reviews not only need to be helpful to uh, a a reader, but I think they need to be helpful to creators too. Um, and if you're not, if you're only catering to one or the other, I think there's a flaw in the way that you're writing. Um, it's nice to inform a market, but a lot of these creators are following reviews too. And if you're not, you know doing anything that can help. Um, I feel like as a reviewer, you're not doing quite enough. Mm. Um, and I, I think that one of, the, one of the things that gets murky here, and he, he kind of gets into it himself, and I think he sort of gets into it and walks back from it, is the idea of him. He, he starts saying, like, you know, the, the letterer doesn't just, you know, put the words in thing, he decides where right. the words go, but oh, no, sometimes the writer does that too. So, and, it, it, and I think that's a tough thing too, because you can't, <clears throat> it's it, and I, this is why we talked about writer's artist thing. I think it's very interesting, and I'm this is developing as I've gone along doing this. Is that <clears throat> I become less and less about saying, you know, you know, th- this idea that the story, you know, Scott Snyder did great with the words, and then Capullo knocked it out with 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 the pencils, absolutely. But there is a storytelling marriage bet- between the two, mm-hmm. and in fact, you know, when I think about writing, when I think about talking about these books now. I, I, it's tough for me to even unmerge the, the two from one another. I just want to talk about the book as a whole, and I'll talk about the people, mostly the, the writer and the penciler, you know, in tandem as kind of storytellers in in, in the book. And um, so I think that's also important. But in this thing that that's this last part is very inside baseball, where it's like, yes, look, and I, I and I we talked about this before. You need to be able to give credit where credits due. The colors are beautiful. Don't say. If the colors in Batman are beautiful, don't say, oh, Greg Capullo did a great job with the colors. That's stupid. You know, you, you, you should be able to read the yeah. credits in the front of the book. You know, that absolutely. But, <clears throat> like, you don't need to be a, a student of color theory to talk, to review a comic book. Yeah. That's, that's a, it's, it's, a, it's like saying that everybody has to go to eight years of film school to be able to review a movie. It's just not, if everybody did that, great. But that's not, that's not. Yeah. It's not the it's not the it's not the truth, and it's uh, not. I don't think it's. It's also you eliminate voices by saying you have to be a student of this stuff in order to to talk about it. Should be a standard frame of reference, though. The, Kieran Gillen said this thing the other day on Twitter. He goes, "People will get scared about talking about art." He's like, "It's it's not that hard. Just right. look at the panel and and talk about how it makes you feel. Like, and that's all you have to do." And I think that I, I think that that is an important line for people to be able to cross. Um, because look, I don't, I knew nothing about color theory. I knew nothing about basic form. I knew nothing about layouts and nothing about social storytelling. 
And I think I did. I do a pretty good job about talking about comics every week. Yeah. You know, and and look, I, I'm not. I'm not saying like I'm the best at it because I'm not. But I feel like I feel like if you are passionate about something and you are honest about your passion for something, it honest with yourself about what you don't know and what you do know. You're able to give an effective review of something. I'm sorry, Bob. I cut you off. No, it's all right. It's just but, to me, it's related to that. Mm. That. With a standard frame of reference, there was an article of A.O. Scott who reviews mm. films for the Times. Yes. Uh, it was answering questions this one day. Uh, and it came up, the question was, how come it seems all you guys talk about the same great movies and great filmmakers? Over Is there some book you all read from? <laughs> and he went down a whole list of, of mm-hmm. the, the, the standard text on such things. I said, it's important to understand who Kurosawa is or who Orson Welles is or who these people were. Chaplin, Keaton, and so on, that set up the foundation for all that comes after. You don't have to reference them all the time, but that should be part of your toolbox. So uh, some of what uh, Ron Mars is talking about here, to me, is that idea of understanding the form, understanding the vagaries of it, how that changes. Again, for years, comic books were written and then drawn by some art robot, and the letterer put stuff in the boxes. Mm-hmm. That's not the way things are anymore. It is mm-hmm. all very amorphous. There are some teams that are storytellers. I think Dan Slott and Mike Allred are completely a storytelling unit. Mm-hmm. And others are still, you'll see books where the artists change and the storytelling changes with it because that partnership is different. And so knowing those angles certainly can help a review and help the pe- person reading that review is it the be-all and end-all? Can you still tell a review and just say, I really like this, and here's why I liked it, and then you find the person whose voice you like as a reviewer? That can work, too. Mm-hmm. But I still think you need to have a certain context. Yeah. Um, just to add a little thing to what I was saying before. Uh, you kind of said it before, but I just want to reiterate. I mean, people's excitement and passion for something is what will draw me to go and check something out, much more so than it all being properly uniformed into into something like all the proper terminology being there if i get a sense that you feel really strongly about something it makes me that's the thing that's gonna push me over the edge it happens all the time it happens every every couple weeks there's something this past week when we did the metal gear solid Mm -hmm. special on the talking games podcast by the way, Talking Comics listeners, if you haven't heard that yet, Bobby did a fantastic <laughs> job. I've listened to that three times. <laughs> it's really good. Uh, if you're at all a fan of Metal Gear or you're curious about it, go and check that out. I am now, I have 18 hours nice. in that game. I'm only 3% mm-hmm. done because I did the first two missions about meh, five or six times because <laughs> it was just so much fun. Yeah. I am in love with it. Mm. But what I'm saying is, there have been how many games? This is the fifth now, mm-hmm. and there's spinoffs and stuff mm-hmm. like that. It took you coming up to the bat and and swinging for the fences with your passion for that and your your excitement for the game and for the characters and to be on the show and present your thoughts to everybody that by the time you were done, I was like fiddling on my phone looking for Amazon. I'm like, nah, I'll just go to GameStop mm-hmm. and pick it up. And the very next morning, I got up at like nine o'clock in the morning and I went and I got it and I popped it in. And keeping everything that you had said in mind, 
pushed me past the like I'm lost in the story mm. by the way that opening sequence <laughs> was amazing yeah. I don't even care if I have no idea what's going on <laughs> it was so damn cool and I'm enjoying the game this is not the games podcast but mm. the, my point being is that um, I do think you you have to have a base for reviewing and, and conveying your thoughts to people but there's room for uh improvement and there's 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 like to improve the the foundation yeah i mean that's what i said it's important to, and this is what i think going to what you said before bob about like knowing about what happened in fantastic four number nine when i said it's important to be know what you don't know is because when you're reviewing a book let's say you're reviewing fantastic four number 14 from last year and and you said something like and this and this happened and it's amazing it's never been done before and it was done in one of those previous issues you are you are speaking without knowing, you know. Instead of, and this is partly what Ron says here, which is part of this, is that don't review it based on something else. Don't review it outside of itself. Review it for what it is. Because if you just read it for what it is, like this is a great moment where this happens and this happened, you know, necessarily, mm-hmm. up, but the way it made you feel, then you're not. Then it, then it doesn't matter that you didn't know what happened in Fantastic Four number nine because right. you're just reviewing what happened in the book and how it made you feel. And I think that's important for me too when I do my stuff because I know that I don't know everything that happened before, so I'm never going to make big declarative statements like. You know, this is the first in the history of comics yeah, sure. that's ever happened. Because that stuff drives me fucking insane right. in, in reviews, movie reviews, TV reviews, whatever it is. And I'm like, no, that's not true because it happened before like this. It's a stupid thing to do. If you don't know, then don't don't say it. If you know you don't know, then don't If you don't, don't say know it. the shot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's very important because that's why what, how it makes you feel is very important. Because if you go like, I've never felt like this before reading a Fantastic Four book, then that's a perfectly fine thing to say. Because you're just speaking to your own personal experiences. Um, so, do you have anything else you want to say about the article? No. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think it's. I think it's, like you say, it's a very good article, and I think that um, even though it comes from a place obviously of frustration and wanting to sort of um, get those thoughts out there, there is a lot of interesting information. Like as far as if you just want to learn about the structure of comics, very very cool um, to read this here. Um, you know, w- w- those some those some terminology and stuff like that. Again, like I didn't know some of it. Very cool that it's there. Um, you know, bringing up those artists and, and, and creators that maybe are the base of stuff like this. Very cool as well. Definitely check it out. Um, we'll put the link to it in the in the show notes. But um, and then we'll we'll come with the dark roll uh, next week. Uh, Steve, did you, did you come up with a book? I did. Uh, next week's book of the week is going to be Tokyo Ghost number one from Image Comics. Oh yes, story by Rick Remender and art by Sean Gordon Murphy with uh, art by Matt Hollingsworth. No, that's colors by Matt Hollingsworth. It says art on here. That's wrong. I know it's wrong. I just realized that. Well, it's art by both. I mean, it's color art. Yeah, it's color art. Uh, this is a really long synopsis, so I'm only going to read part of it. The Isles of Los Angeles, 2089. Humanity is addicted to technology. A population of unemployed leisure seekers blissfully distracted from toxic contamination who borrow, steal, and kill to buy their next digital fix. Getting a virtual buzz is the only thing left to live for. It's the biggest industry, the only industry, the drug everyone needs, and gangsters run it all. And who do these gangsters turn to when they need their uh, rule enforced? Constables Led Dent and Debbie Decay. This duo is about to be given a job that will force them out of the familiar squalor of Los Angeles to take down the last techless uh, county on Earth, the Garden Nation of Tokyo. There you go. It looks absolutely gorgeous, as Sean uh, Murphy is wanting to do. 
Uh, Rick Remender's had a, a couple of really awesome books this year. And uh, quite frankly, it was one of the only number ones <laughs> um, out this year. I'm excited about this year, this week. Excited about that book. Um, it looks cool. A dystopian future book for Image. Who would have? What a yes. shock! I, you know, I happens. tried to go outside uh, the box, no, but they right. pulled me right back too in. Too big a box this week. Yeah, it's too big creator. It'll be a fun book to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, uh, yeah, if you guys want to get in touch with us and ring in with your thoughts on Tokyo Ghost, it's hashtag TCBOTW um, at Talking Comics on Twitter. Of course, we have our Facebook, facebook.com slash Talking Comics, and podcast at TalkingComicBooks.com is the email address. Um, go to TalkingComicBooks.com for all of our columns, reviews, and, of course, our growing bevy of, of podcasts. Um, so many. We were talking Shoujo, which we already talked about. The Misfits, uh, Mara Wood, Melissa Megan, and Stephanie Cook. I believe they talked about talking Shoujo this week on, <laughs> on The Misfits. Yeah, they did. And a ton of recommendations. <laughs> yes. Um, of course, talking games, Steve Say, Justin Townsend, Jackie Turner, and Bobby North. You got it. I did get it. I'm sure there'll be some Metal Gear talk this week. Probably Metal Gear and uh, The Taken King came out today. Also Mario so you, Maker. I, I have it. It's amazing. It is. It's true. It's so good. A lot of uh, big time for games. Yeah, it's, I bought it's, all three of those things. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's a really really awesome time of the year. Yeah. Um, usually that doesn't happen until like the tail end. Yeah, this is a very they, busy. They grouping. got it going a little bit early this year. Yeah, and uh, I have like five amazing things to play. Yeah, wow. Me too. And Me too. So far before Christmas. You think? I know. Well, usually I, it's yeah. it's October November is usually the yeah, time. To be fair though, the games that well some of the games we're talking about are huge yeah. that you need the time if you're yeah. going to have like an informed opinion of them by the end of the year but i mean like i want to go back and play until dawn again yeah but i got metal gear yeah, yeah. and i got mario maker i'm 33 hours in metal gear and <gasps> i am 24 percent through that's wow. fantastic <laughs> i am fultoning everything yes. that isn't bolted down i can fold in tanks now can you yeah i saw that you can fold yeah. in the cargo uh things mm-hmm. <sighs> it's so good it's, it's really Fulton good as in the steamboat no, Fulton has like a, the balloon. You, you have a balloon to it. It goes up and like it gets caught by an aircraft. Oh, okay. take it away! I sent a guy up in a sandstorm. Mm-hmm. Didn't work you out. Know, he died. <laughs> yeah, he died. Hundred yeah. percent died. Um, of course, talking movies. They're they're doing. Uh, they did do a restaurant on West Craven last week. Uh, they didn't review Nightmare on Elm Street, but they're starting this thing called they call Second Chance theater where they're watching movies that they hated the first time around or one of them hated the first time around and watching them again now oh boy so the first one is uh donnie darko and it's out today so check mm. that out um brian hated donnie darko that's the one of course he did brian thing. brian hates everything <laughs> that's no, not true no, he doesn't I know. brian loves most things um uh but that's cool yeah we, we, brian and i had have i had many of arguments over donnie darko in in the years that we've been friends so i'm interested to see him go back to it and, and see what he's not so. bad either have you seen it what have you seen s darko no, I haven't seen Astarco. It's not bad. Uh, we also, of, of course, we've got Talking Valiant w- with Adam Shaw um, and the Talk Comic Special Edition feed if you want to get your fix on some of our special stuff that, that goes up every every now and then. Um, my personal Twitter is at Bobby Shortle. Stephanie? I'm at Hello Cookie. Steve? I am at Dead underscore Anchorus. Bob Ryer at TalkingComicBooks.com. Anything to add, Bob? Well, we already said happy birthday to everybody. We did. But we should say happy birthday to Stephanie one more time. Happy birthday, Stephanie. Happy birthday. Thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's going to do it for the Talking Comics podcast uh, for this week. For Bob. Good night. Steve. See you later. And Stephanie. Bye. I've been Bobby. Until next time on Talking Comics. To be continued. <laughs>